0: Ladies and gentlemen, beautiful, beautiful, sexy people who have downloaded this podcast. Thank you, Mom. Uh, we are the Very Unreasonable Things podcast. Uh, I'll be your spirit guide. My name is Josh Lindsay, and I'm joined by Billy Bone. Billy Bone, and we're going to be talking about today, specifically, the Night on Elm Street uh, original trilogy. Uh, afterwards, we'll figure it out from there. But today, uh, specifically, um talking about the first, first three 80s slasher classics.
1: Hey, before we jump into that, Josh, uh, why don't you give a little kind of background on what the idea of the podcast is going to be? What are we going to try to do going forward? Because it's not just going to be Nightmare on Elm Street all the time.
0: No, despite, despite me really... Banging that drum, just a Freddy podcast. Um, I think we'll, we'll, we're going to talk movies, uh, pop culture, uh, TV shows. Who knows? Who knows? But mainly, mainly movies. Probably the majority in the horror genre, but not exclusively. Um, we just figured so there wasn't I some, enough.
1: I got some Steven Seagal classics lined up.
0: Yeah, well, I'm growing my hair out to do the ponytail, so, um, yeah, but we'll we'll see, we'll see. We're gonna we're gonna start off with the nightmare movies, and I've got a couple of questions, uh, a three part question, if you will, uh, directed towards you, and you have to you have to answer all three. And you have to answer them honestly. Um, first question is: What is your history with this franchise? Um, and the second question is: First impressions of this rewatch—just a general overview. And the third question is: What movie do you would you say awakened you sexually? In general. Um.
1: <laughs> uh, so for me, you know, moved around a lot when I was younger. So a lot of, I guess, unnecessary traveling from state to state as, you know, my stepfathers were in the military. And so we are never really stable. So, you know, how do you keep a kid quiet when you're making an eight-hour drive, right? Give them a magazine or something. So when I was younger, Fangoria was the magazine. Uh, Got into those, you know, and I think this is even before... I started watching movies. Got into those magazines, uh, the special effects, it just all looked really cool to me, really drew me in. And then also just books in school, like I was fortunate, I can't remember if it was Georgia or maybe Waco, where they had books about like classic horror movies. Uh, the Universal Monsters, stuff like The Blob, The Fly. And these were, these were like children books, they were in the elementary schools. So you just, seeing that stuff, you know that and like fantasy type stuff, just always really interested me. So looking at Fangoria, you know, you see these articles about Nightmare Elm Street, and you're like, oh man, that looks cool. And then finally got to see it, it was at somebody else's house, I can't remember who it was, but they had it and we watched it. And it was great. Uh, you know, rewatching it, and I'm sure we'll get into it when we're talking about it. Uh, there's some things that, uh, hold up really well. There's some things that don't. I still think it's a it's a good movie. I don't necessarily know that. It's not my favorite movie. It's not my favorite movie in the series and we'll get into that. And sometimes I think, and this might sound blasphemous, but I think that Wes Craven gets a little overrated with some of his stuff. And I'm sure we'll talk about other movies of his at another time, which is Ralph starting with this one. You know, I've got thoughts and we'll get into it. And as far as like the movie that sexually awakened me, um, Rochelle, Rochelle.
0: I did not expect you to say that. Rochelle, Rochelle. Who was the lead in that?
1: I can't remember, but you know, this young woman's journey from something to something. I I can't even remember the line. Hey,
0: hey, That'll do it. Young woman journey. Well, for me, um, I've got to be, you know, this franchise has affected me more than any other franchise. And I wouldn't even say it's my favorite of the big three. Um, I think the lows in this franchise are goddamn cellar dwellers. But it's highs. You, you it, it's hard to deny, um, especially like the the movies we're going to be covering. Uh, I remember um, my dad worked offshore, and so when he was home, you know, two weeks on, two weeks off, he would he would, you know, rules were a little bit lenient with dad when he was home and. I remember back in 1985, I guess I was, uh, I was like three years old and his, his friend Mike came over and this was the days when you rented a VCR and he, he brought over two movies and two very seminal movies of 1984. He brought over the Karate Kid and Nightmare on Elm Street. Well, they watched Nightmare on Elm Street with me in the room. And I watched the entire movie behind my dad's back. And to this day, I still remember my nightmare from that night involving Freddy Krueger. And then in 1987, because I was so obsessed with Freddy Krueger in a way to where it scared me so bad. And I enjoyed that. I begged my dad to take me to the Fox theater in our little small town to go see Night Dream Warriors. And I didn't even make it through the credits. I got so sort of scared.
1: Now we're talking about the Carthage Theater. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah.
1: I saw Halloween Six. There and Ninja Turtles.
0: Ooh, yeah. I've, I've, I've seen I've seen quite a bit there, but and then back in like 1988, um, when I was in kindergarten, uh, we were living right outside this town in Mississippi called Meridian and our house was, there was a railroad and it went right by our house and across the highway was a gas station. And in those days, you remember you could rent VHS tapes at gas stations. Everybody was getting in on the gas, you know, the VHS craze. And there was the, uh, on am Street part two. And do you remember that VHS cover?
1: So, and i was going to save it for when we got to part two but so i didn't see part two in um i remember seeing like a standee in a video store for it mm-hmm. and I'd be like oh wow nightmare renown street 2 Freddy's revenge We gotta see that but i never got to see it like for whatever reason and, and like i said i saw part one at somebody else's house so it wasn't like mm-hmm. my mom was like yeah you renting me a horror movies i'm kind of like you i saw them with my dad when i'd come and visit in the summer I got to read these magazines. I got to read these books, but I didn't actually get to watch these movies. Um, and hell, it may have been because we didn't have a VCR. I don't, I don't remember. Um, you know, grew up poor. So that's probably it. But so it took me, it might have been after part five that I actually got to circle back around and see part two. Because then after that initial surge of it being out, it became hard to find in video stores. That I, that I, I was... I had access to with my dad so I don't remember the cover
0: I highly encourage um, just giving it a quick Google because it is so goddamn terrifying and especially for a six-year-old every time we go to this gas station I would just look at it with with fear and 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 curiosity and then and then if I'm going in chronological order and then um, like 1991, like I had some cousins from Arkansas stand with us and we begged to rent a horror movie and we got dream master part four. And just, there was a feeling that it created within me. And then like around 1994, me and our mutual friend, Aaron, he was staying with me and we went at we rented part three. And that was the first time I'd seen part three. And it, did what it needed to do. It, it it totally affected me, and I remember laying in bed that night, and Aaron sleeping on the floor. I'm sleeping in my bed, and I just wake up in the middle of the night. And you remember, especially back back in the '90s. I don't know if kids are the same now, but you would have a hat rack because you'd have so many fucking hats, and I had a hat rack ring hanging on my wall. And I look up, and I and I shit you not, like hey poor people, and have hat racks. Okay, yeah. We had kids. <laughs> But, but I look, in, no, I look at I look up at just
1: empty counters with spam.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you had to wear the uh, the spam yeah, can. We,
1: yeah, once you emptied the can and ate the food, you like drill holes and then like, wear. It's like a little hat on top of your head with a string holding in place. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Almost like a yarmulke, <laughs> and uh, and clear as day, I saw Freddy's fedora like in the shadows. And I I mean this, this, this franchise has has stuck with me and we even, me and Aaron, the same friend, we went to go to the Fox theater to go see a new nightmare back in 94. And I remember just a a, a sense of dread in me as we're waiting for the lights to go out and the movie to come on and the movie never came on because I guess it was a projectionist first day and just (laughs) completely dropped the ball. Which sent a, a little wave of relief over me because I knew I was just going to pee my pants.
1: Spiral for the Carthage Theater. Yeah. Well, that, that projection issue led to the eventual closing, demolishing of the build, building now. And it's just a empty space and a lot. I think that
0: projectionist ended up committing suicide over that.
1: Well, yeah.
0: You missed
1: a chance to see a German Freddy. Yeah.
0: Well, well Jesus a lot to say about that but (laughs) Euro trash Freddy but but after watching these first three and I'd sort of seen uh, Dream Warriors kind of recent in the past three years but watching them now um, for this phenomenal podcast um, it, it struck me how great of a base story this is um very original and when freddy the highs of Freddie being scary are it, to me it still holds up and it's
1: yeah i, I think so too and it, um uh, i agree with that though like watching it especially the first three before it got super comical and there's like mm-hmm. a point in part three that i made notes of where it start like you can see where it's gonna go um before we get started we need to like I'd say, let's go ahead and jump into the first one. And, um, but before we do that, I will say this about the series. And I think one of the reasons I got to watch it when I was younger, is because one of the things that the nightmare on street franchise never really did with the exception, like a few instances that other horror movies did is it didn't have a lot of nudity, right? You know, you watch a Friday the 13th movie and you're going to see like 18 sets of breast. Mm. Um, and all the other slasher movies were, you know, that was their thing. I think like Halloween stayed away from it, Nightmare on Elm Street stayed away from it for the most part. I mean, you do have the scenes with Joey in part three, but that fit into the context of his character. It wasn't just gratuitous nudity, nudity. so it was something that was safe to watch almost. Like, if you really wanna watch a horror movie, fine, you can watch this, but don't come crying to me when you get scared, which inevitably happened. You know, maybe I'm the only one, but you know, if you were outside, especially when i come to Mississippi and visit my father in the summers, you know, if you're outside after dark and it's just you, you know, and you're like, you know, a rural area. Like, oh shit, what's that noise? Mm.
0: But I think with Nightmare's premise, it was easy to avoid those, um, those cliches of the time of modern slashers. Uh, you, you know the sex not well, I'm talking about like you know, even if you have sex and not on M Street, like unless you're in a dream, you you're safe, you know, <laughs> doing drugs, hell, I mean drugs are encouraged in the in this uh, not encouraged in the series, but hey, a good way to avoid Freddie would be just to get the biggest bump of meth, it's you know. So dreams. right. But but no, 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 no. No, I was just going to say, like, the fact that you're not at all curious about the movie that created my sexual awakening kind
1: of hurts. Oh, I'm sorry. What was that?
0: It was Supergirl 1984. Supergirl? Helen Slater and those those boots.
1: It was one girl's journey from Milan to Minx.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, that just sounds hot.
1: Well, I mean... You got George and Jerry excited.
0: Okay, are we a Seinfeld podcast now?
1: (laughs) I'll put some Seinfeld references in there. Um, All right, so Supergirl 1984,
0: gotcha. Oh, God, and those boots, man. Like, I had no business, like, being a four-year-old with a heart on but I was. God damn it.
1: All right, so let's go ahead. Let's talk about part one. Give us that overview so we can get into it
0: the overview is uh, a group of teenagers are being plagued by a man with knives for fingers and the parents who the kids are event or honestly they're paying for the sins of their parents what would you say these parents are they're
1: uh their parents they was protecting their children if somebody was murdering children and the authorities did nothing about it well how would you feel because we're both parents now, so, you
0: know. No, yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, it's like you side with the parents. But then when you see, I don't so know, I Nancy's didn't... mom just not take her serious.
1: Well, yeah, but, I mean, if a dream demon, if you was telling me that a dream demon was trying to kill you, I may not take you seriously either. But, so, <laughs> I'm going to put this one out here right away. And, and maybe I missed it. I know they keep saying it. Like, when you watch documentaries and you watch people talk about it, but I've still yet to see where they explicitly say that Freddy Krueger was a child molester in the original series. I keep hearing child murderer. I know in the remake, he was a child molester, you know. Which to me gave that movie a, a feel that I didn't care for. You know, I, I, I you know, it's, I don't know. Maybe you just don't feel comfortable watching something like that. Whereas it was a child murderer, and I'm not saying that that's good or okay, but it was a little different. You know what I'm saying? So maybe I'm yeah. That part where they
0: said that. Well, I think even Craven talked about. Um, he did the the con- the original concept was for him to be a a, a pedo, but, it wasn't but said in the movie, no, right? it wasn't said. Like I, I think he took it out of the script completely. And at, the, at that time, like the Martin trial was going on, and it was just it was going to be sweaty, you I know.
1: Say for the best, anyways. I like I said, uh, I you know, I think Craven has a history of taking things too far in some of his movies like Last House on the Left I don't watch movies so I can feel uneasy the whole time I'm watching them. and I think you go into that pedophile range it goes from watching a movie for enjoyment to being uneasy and feeling icky
0: well think about if they would have stuck with that Freddie wouldn't have become the pop culture icon that he did
1: oh know, and Bob Shay wouldn't have made all that money. And New Line probably wouldn't have got where it's at. So it worked out the best for everybody.
0: But but speaking of Craven. a certain point. You know, when I was watching this movie and just the pace, the beats, some of the the shots, you could tell Craven had been sitting on this script and perfecting it for however many years while every you know, studio just to nod and because everything like Craven is in the pocket in this movie. And I don't think he really, I mean, you can make a case for scream, but to me, that's, you know, I think Kevin Williamson deserves a lot, a lot of credit for that. But with this movie, this is Craven's baby. And you can tell, and I don't know, like just the opening with, with Tina. And then you, We'll so do these the close moment. shots of Tina. You're
1: talking about the opening, but you, you just passed right over the glove.
0: No, 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 no. Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah,
1: I was going to say the first thing we see is uh him making a glove, which I thought was an odd opening, to be honest with you. I thought the Tina opening was good. I mean, like, and that, that first opening with Tina, you did know, it to me, it was good about establishing that the dreams are real, and then, like you alluded to earlier, that the parents are assholes.
0: Oh, yeah, old Tina's mom. Ooh, the, worst. the thing that
1: really stood out to me in this first movie, though, uh, that really, I guess, keeps the movie from being higher up for me, is all the fucking grunting that Freddy does. He does a lot of grunting, and he sounds like fucking Cesar Romero in the old Batman show with his laugh. You know, he's like, he <laughs> sounds like a cartoon villain. And it for me it kind of took it out of the it, he hadn't really like fully established that character, which obviously in you know, the first movie, how would you expect that? But going back and rewatching it, it was odd to me. Um and the portrayal of Freddie, like parts of it are there, like the, the way he stands is there. And there's good things, like when he cuts his finger off, you know, that's a cool scene. But The grunting and laughing for me just wasn't hitting it.
0: No. And yeah, it's, he's, he's always been a jokester and he's the problem with Freddie is he will never not shut the fuck up. (laughs) But the first thing I noticed when when I was watching and first off, I know other podcasts have said it major shout out to that fucking old school new line logo. God, it's so great. And then you get to the mission prep. And the first thing I noticed was Freddie's feet are very small. <laughs> I mean, and I don't even think that's Bobby E's feet. You know, whoever, because
1: so Bobby, you have a, so you have Bobby, a foot fetish.
0: no, 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 no. I'm, I'm saying Bobby E's doing well for himself. That's not his feet. But then it got me thinking, I'm like, of course he's going to fucking kill kids. he's, the, he's, hung like a baby. And then I got to thinking, I'm like, you know, I bet Michael Myers is packing heat, but wouldn't it be funny if adult Jason had a six year old dick?
1: <laughs> so about 20 minutes in and we've deviated to zero killer penises.
0: Yeah. Well, usually the, there's a reason for their aggressiveness, but yeah, and when he's cutting off his finger, it's so funny, though, because there's so many moments that are unintentionally funny in this movie, which does dink it. But the look on Freddie's face when he cuts off his finger, he's so proud of himself. <laughs> <laughs> he's got this, like, just wide smile, like, aren't you impressed, Tina? But
1: I can cut off my finger.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, what did you think of the uh, Charles Bernstein score?
1: Oh, the music for the movie is great. Loved it. Um, It fits. You know, builds the mood. I don't have a whole lot to say about it, and and that's because it works. You know, if it was... If it's something that stood out... And there's some movies, like, where you hear the music, and you're like, what the fuck is this? This doesn't go with this at all.
0: We'll we'll get there. The
1: Nightmare, Nightmare, like, theme song is... Like, that's one thing I thought the... uh, The... You called them big three, um, but I would say, like, Exorcist, Halloween, uh, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, they did really well, and they had catchy songs. I think it was the Exorcist, was it Tubular Bells or something like that? Yeah. When you hear the music for these movies, you know what you're getting, right? I was like, oh, there's the Nightmare score. I know what I'm watching. oh, there's that Halloween song, Let's Get Going. Get to see Buster Rhymes and Michael Myers go at it in a kung fu fight. Um, you know, talking about like unintentionally funny moments, and I don't really know it's so much unintentionally funny as it was just cringeworthy. But the Rod character when he was like up your ho or no up your nose with a twirling lawnmower or whatever it was. Ooh. that was so bad. That
0: was rough. Like, that was rough. <sighs>
1: I hate it when movies, you know, try too hard. You know, I hate it when movies try to be hip. There's a lot of movies now that I don't care for because they, they try to be hip, and they get dated by their references and things like that. And for the most part, when you watch Nightmare on Elm Street, I feel like it's a a timeless movie. Other than house phones, but there's not like a whole lot you see that's just going to be like, that disconnects you from the movie. Like Strike's one of those movies that'll disconnect because of Smash
0: Mouth outdated references
1: yeah and stuff like that you know I think with um, Nightmare on Elm Street though you can watch it like you can watch it in any decade and it'd be good but then that Welcome Back Cotter shit that's right there you know it's like Ew. you know what is that you, you know you want the character to be a badass or whatever you know cool we could've did it without that reference like
0: just well it's and and it's and it's and it's always bothered me since I've became aware of that line, uh, but it just goes to show you that sometimes forty year old men don't know how to write for seventeen year old teenagers, man. Like Craven was like, "Yeah, this will work." Yeah, yeah. But goddamn, Rod's intense, ain't he?
1: Yeah, and he's a he's a fucking dickhead. Like I'm trying to figure out why anybody was hanging out with him. Even I, when he's like begging for help later on, he's still a fucking asshole.
0: In an alternate universe, he turns into Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker. <laughs> I mean, just pulling switchblades on poor Johnny Depp,
1: right? Johnny Depp, the athlete with the athlete's body.
0: Yeah, what a what a f- fresh faced Johnny Depp.
1: I thought, yeah, you know, watching the uh, watching the. Never Sleep Again documentary when they talked about the fact that Giant Depp's character was supposed to be an athlete. And then you look at him and you're like, I don't know what sports you're playing. You know, maybe chess. But it's not football or baseball. Not with those little twig arms and twig legs. No, like, but Depp, so... Make, a, he's, make an adjustment for the character.
0: Well, I know, see, when I watch it, I never get the idea. I mean, they dress him like a prep. I never get the idea that he's a jock.
1: Oh, there's that one scene where he has like that shirt that's i think like a cut off at the midriff
0: yeah everybody's wearing that though at that at that time but i love tina's mom uh not tina's mom nancy's mom i love her hitting the morning vodka i'm like yeah that's what's up
1: bedtime
0: oh, hiding it in the linen closet
1: You're right man I, She. i like i like my share of alcohol too but i've never understood like how people can be alcoholics you know, one good hangover is always enough to be like, ah, you know, I think I'm taking a week or a month off.
0: Oh, yeah, it puts you down. The older you get, it puts you down.
1: But these people, man, they're just like, no, nah, hangovers, those motherfuckers don't exist. I'm
0: well, you don't get hangovers if you stay drunk. Yeah, right. If you put vodka in your coffee, they're, you're not, you're preventing the hangover.
1: Vodka and Cheerios. It's like, here's mm. breakfast, honey.
0: Look, by all means, me and you have zero room to talk. We're not... We're not in this industry. We're not actors. So, I mean, who are we to judge? But what would you think of Camp?
1: Um, The look of the character fits. Uh, the acting, even like when I was watching part three, it is what it is. I mean, I think it suffices. I, I don't think any of us are mistaken these movies for Godfather. And even they had bad acting in part three, so... I think it works for the most part you know is it my favorite performance in a horror movie no but even like when you go back and watch halloween and you watch jamie lee curtis in that movie that one gets kind of annoying at times um just the way the characters act so i don't know if it's like the actors or the directing or what it's good enough i think the movie as a whole holds it up And what I was about to say is like, when you start moving into these scenes where they're at the house, you know, uh, like when you go to Tina's house and they're having their little slumber party and then, you know, fucking Jackass Rod shows up being his usual self. Like you look at the house and you look at the yard and inside and stuff like that. And one thing I thought like the first three movies especially did was they created a lived in world. Like the house looks like a house, like Mm -hmm. There's shit in there. Like sometimes you watch a movie and everything's too clean. It it just like, I keep seeing this, like these houses on TV and you're like, man, these, how come my house doesn't look like that? Or how come my apartment doesn't look like that? I'm like, I got shit everywhere. But then you see like in the nightmare movie, like these people have shit everywhere. Like they look like normal fucking people. The house looks like normal people. You go into the backyard and they got fucking yard tools laying up against the shed and stuff like that. Bags of mulch or whatever. So I thought that attention to detail was good. I think when you get into that, that's where like these movies really excel. Was with the attention to detail as far as like a lived in world?
0: Yeah. And you can almost smell the house in a way. Cause we we're all familiar with houses that maybe didn't look like that, but had that sort of feel. But speaking of houses, uh, Man, Ohio has never looked more beautiful. <laughs> I am. Our next vacation is going to be to Ohio. I didn't know they had palm trees. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just beautiful, absolutely beautiful.
1: You film where you can film. I mean, I think everybody films in Georgia now, right?
0: No, yeah. And they use Vancouver for New York. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: yeah. I don't get it. Going back to asshole Rod, though. You know, he shows up disrupts the little party and all of a sudden it becomes you know just about you know Rod and Tina having sex like hey we're going to take her mom's room you guys can have the rest of the house or whatever so here's my thing Tina has a bedroom right her own bed why are you fucking in the mom's bed were they in the mom's bed yeah they took the parents bedroom they took the mom's bed I can't, Rod says it he's like we got the mom's room. You guys got the rest.
0: Oh, okay. I missed that. But I don't know. Probably because her mom's worked out the kinks in the mattress. Maybe.
1: I don't know. I'm just saying. If it was me, I'd feel a little odd. Like, I don't think I can have sex in my parents' bed.
0: Well, when Rod puts a switchblade to your throat, I don't think you have a choice. <laughs> but yeah, how how great was Tina's death, though? I mean, that is that is one for the ages. That's one of the most. I guess my second favorite keel in the entire franchise.
1: Yeah, I think uh, Tina's death is you know really good. I, like hers and hers and Giant um, Depths later on, I thought were the two best in this movie. Yeah, you
0: know, well, it's got a low. It's got a low body count.
1: Yeah, well, and that's and that's one thing I noticed about uh, like especially part two. It uh, it takes a while. And, like if it wasn't for the pool scene, that would have an extremely low body count.
0: Yeah, you Tina, know who the it, Tina's death. I kept sure. track of it. And we're not talking about part two, but I'm gonna go ahead and say it. Thirty minutes in, you know what the first things to die in part two are?
1: I've got it written down somewhere.
0: The fucking parakeets. Oh, yeah, <laughs> the know. first deaths are so, the parakeets. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, it, uh, yeah, it took it. I thought the movies did a, a good job of building up. Like I said, it's not just a kill fest like went after you know, like a lot of movies. And I love Friday Thirteen movies, but they get into that. All right, we are 30 minutes in. Somebody die every 10 minutes, or somebody die every five minutes, or some shit like that. Where it's death after death after death after death until we get to the final scene. Mm-hmm. So, this movie did a much better job. There was actually a story in between there. Yeah, so yeah, Tina's house. You got, the, you got the Tina death, you know. And I'm not saying anything revolutionary here, but practical effects are always better to me than CGI. I mean, you go back and you look at. And you look at the star wars prequels and the cgi in those movies is horrible to the point where it's hard to watch we're not talking about the quality of the movies or the story we're just talking about visually it looks bad and even movies now like you've still you've still got that like cgi like to me whenever you can use practical effects you use them here it's great you know teens getting drugged across the fucking roof getting slammed around the wall scene where freddy comes down above Nancy while she's sleeping. It's oh, amazing. So good. I look at that in the remake, though, and it looks like shit. It's fucking Oh,
0: what it is. That? This this movie had a budget of $1.8 million. Today's equivalent, it'd be $2.5 million. And they put it all out there. The entire $1.8 million budget is on the screen. You know, with the rotating room for Tina's death. Yep. Uh, turning up. Room Upside down for Johnny Depp's death and just, you know, having everything glued to the ceiling, you know, I mean, everything is on screen and you appreciate that because, you know, a lot of these people were working for free towards the end of the shoot because they were just running out of money. You know, Bob Shea, he he put all his chips in on on this idea and Craven. And I don't know. I don't think you see that anymore um, in today's Hollywood. Obviously, it became the house that Freddie built because this movie just it went off like gangbusters. But it always helps when you have John Saxon.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Even though he didn't use any of his karate from Enter the Dragon? Which well, that, it, no it would
0: have been more. a short movie. It would have been a short movie.
1: When he fought the Skeleton Freddy, if he had broke out a fucking front kick to its face, he wouldn't have had to die.
0: Well, his reflexes were slow. He's an alcoholic now.
1: We move past that, you know, and get to the part where Rod's on the run because obviously it looks like he's a killer. Rod's a lunatic, despite what Nancy says. You know, when she's like, he's not whatever. Yes, he is. Like you said, pull the fucking switchblade on Giant Depp. Even if you didn't believe in or even if you did believe in dream demons, how could you still discount the idea that maybe Rod fucking killed her? Because Rod has shown himself to be violent. (laughs) And then Nancy, she still fucking saves Rod, even though she doubts him. Like if you doubt that Rod killed your best friend, why are you fucking helping him run from the cops? And then even after that, and here's where I felt we had to misstep. They expect you to feel sorry for Rod. Like, you see him in jail, you know, he's talking to Nancy and all that. You know, like, I didn't kill Tina, blah, 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 blah. Okay, we know you didn't kill Tina. I still don't fucking feel sorry for you. And the movie's want you you have sympathy for this guy. But he was a fucking asshole the entire first part of the movie. Like, I can't feel sorry for you. Like, I know you didn't do it, but you're still a dick. And you still pulled that switchblade on Johnny Depp. Yeah, which... You which have deprived us of 21 Jump Street. You son of a bitch. I witch. kind of... I kind of
0: wonder why, why Craven went that route, like, to just make him a complete, like, douche canoe, you know? One thing I did notice was uh, after Tina's death, um, absolutely zero students affected by her death after school. At school, zero students are affected by this girl's classmate. Well, Murder.
1: Springwood has already fucking had a great parents go rogue and burn a dude alive. They're used to this, and you'll just you'll see this throughout all the movies. Like people are dying and they don't care. No, at least no. the Friday Thirteenth, all that shit in the first four movies happened within like four days. <laughs> like Springwood's just desensitized to people dying. They're like, oh, somebody died and this dude had like you know 1,500 gallons of blood in his room
0: <laughs> which begs which begs the question with Camp Crystal Lake I mean that's got to be up there with the great lakes of America like it's got to be so goddamn big
1: well it, it touches an ocean I mean it's already now, been established yeah somehow I don't think it's a lake at that point and one thing I'll say about uh, Tina's death before we move on and we'll touch on it and I'm going to touch on it again later is at this point, Freddy's not like God Freddy. Freddy gets to a point where people just die because he wants it to happen. And that creates problems for me, you know, watching a movie, because if, you know, somebody's just killing you by fucking being like, okay, now you're in a roach motel, you know? <laughs> like, then what chance does anybody have? Um, but here, you know, he wasn't all powerful, you know, so there was still like, he had to fucking catch you to kill you right uh, he wasn't just doing things and and that's where that kind of starts in part three and we'll talk about it when we get there but it was nice to see that Freddy wasn't all-powerful you know you could still run from him It was like in these first movies like there's multiple times where these people go in these dreams and they don't get got I guess so to speak right? mm, yeah they, they get out. And they get to live to talk about it and it gets to be a point where somebody fucking falls asleep that's it they're, yeah they're done they're dead because freddy fucking blinked and now you're in a hamster wheel with razor blades on it or some shit i don't know
0: yeah they they've pretty much the colip in a smoking a joint in friday 13th like that's your that's your death sentence freddy michael myers is considered the boogeyman or the shape but Freddy, to me, is um, more of a boogeyman, and he's most effective in in later movies. Uh, you know, they throw the baby out with the bathwater, but he's most effective when they keep him in shadows. He's he's lurking around the corners, and when Tina, like when she does the, f- you know, when she thinks she wakes up, and then you get the second second gear scare where Freddy's in the bed with her. She thinks she's safe, and then she's not.
1: So you're telling me that you don't like it when Freddy's like flying around a house on a fucking broom like it's the Wizard of Oz.
0: Well, I love that, but I really like him being in the shadows. Oh, it gets pretty sweaty towards the end of this franchise's run. But you know that's one thing I noticed with the first with these first three, especially part two. Not putting the the cart before the horse, but they. They do a pretty good job of keeping them in the shadows with the second one.
1: I agree. Like I was going to say, talking about the special effects. Hall scene, great. Loved it. The body being drugged, leaving a trail of blood.
0: So great. Yeah.
1: Classic scene.
0: Did you did you notice when the teacher, uh, Lynn Shea, when she was waking up, Nancy, after that dream? That was the scene when Nancy burned herself, right? Because she goes down there in the boiler room. Yeah. And, Freddie's making the tongue gestures. Did you notice when Lynn Shea was waking up Heather Langenkamp that it took everything Langenkamp had not to start laughing? Because Lynn Shea's like shaking her.
1: (laughs) No, I I have to go back and check that. I didn't see it. You got Nancy going to see Rod. And the cops just let her in. You got the suspected murderer who's still wearing his clothes, by the way. He's not like in fucking... Jail clothes but you're just like yeah we're gonna let let Nancy go in there without any kind of supervision it's cool
0: yeah uh, and I love the deputy he's like I took the night shift so it would be quiet <laughs>
1: uh. so then you get uh, you get back uh, where Nancy's taking the bath right which I think we all agree is another classic scene but I don't want to put this out here. You're trying to stay awake, right? You're trying not to dream because you're worried you're going to get killed by this madman in your sleep. And you take a warm bath and you have a fucking bath pillow.
0: Oh, I know. Like, she is, she's all ready for sleepy time <laughs> in the bathtub. And it's so funny when Nancy's mom knocks on the door and she asks her, um, or she tells her, she's like, I heated you up some warm milk. Isn't that like those things don't fit? I heated you up some warm milk, so now it's boiling? Wouldn't you just say I heated you up some milk?
1: (laughs) I think you're being overly picky there, but, yeah, I get what you're saying. She, but in her defense, she's been drinking vodka all day. Oh, yeah. You're expecting a fucking master class. the culinary arts and this chick's fucking loaded to the gills
0: oh yeah I'm sure it wasn't even milk
1: probably not it was probably a saltine <laughs> sorry. no no
0: sorry that was that was my burrito that I warmed up from lunchtime I forgot to eat
1: so you you get to the uh, the scene with where Rod finally kicks the bucket right and since you know you noticed the warm milk one of the things I did notice is pretty open the door to the room, right? But then he just walks right through the fucking cell. <laughs> I mean, why did he just walk through all of it? I mean, why are you wasting energy to open a door when you can?
0: Why are you even using a door? I
1: mean, you know, especially if you're trying to make it look like a suicide. Why open a door? And yeah, could you just fucking manifest in front of him? Yeah. I don't. know
0: I guess that was theatrics for Nancy, or did she see him walk through the door? Was Nancy watching at that time?
1: Um, uh, I can't remember.
0: I think so. I think so.
1: I know originally we planned on recording this a while back when this was all a little fresher. So at this point, I'm going off of notes.
0: When did you did you hear uh, when uh, Nancy's mom tells uh, Nancy uh, when she basically lets her in on the the town secret did you did you hear how many kids he had killed
1: oh man um, I'm sure I did and I probably didn't make a note of it how many was it
0: it was 20
1: okay so I was thinking 27 for some reason
0: that would make more sense but 20 is such a like his goal was 20 because that's such a beautiful
1: we gotta work in, like, number games, yeah like you don't celebrate Super Bowl seven. Super Bowl 10. Super Bowl 10. Yeah. You know, 10 kids dead. 20 kids dead.
0: Yeah. If it was 18, oh, I don't think nobody would have given a shit.
1: No, they probably wouldn't have burned him alive. No. But when he got to 20, they like, oh, oof. Yeah. So, you know, I've, I've already talked about it a little bit, and I'll, you know, I'll talk about some more. Not, to me, not the best Freddy portrayal. I think it was a work in progress here. Um, one of the things I've noticed about Freddie and and this persists even after he gets the mannerisms and gets like the laughing down and cuts out the grunting and stuff, is that his voice He's like Axl Rose. He's switching between his high pitch and his low pitch all the time. Yeah. Like sometimes notice like low and menacing and sometimes, you know, he's like, eh, he, he, he. Not laughing obviously, but
0: That's very evident in Dream Warriors. Yeah, that's the one where I'm... Very evident, yeah.
1: And I, I myself, prefer the lower pitch.
0: Of course.
1: Yeah, the higher pitch, uh, you know. Did you suck on some fucking helium or something?
0: I mean, we're just throwing darts here. There's no rhyme or reason or structure to this, but especially towards the end. Like, this movie doesn't stick the landing, and I love it, and it just... I don't know like her turning into Kevin McAllister just
1: well yeah you're, you're jumping a little far ahead when
0: we, well I'm just saying like you make Freddie once he does a high pitched voice and then once you have him getting his ass beat by pranks
1: yeah well he uh he falls you're right he falls apart but like I said let's let's uh before we get there cause I got thoughts on that too let's uh talk about a few more things real quick so, and one thing I want to talk about. i probably going to put asshole Rod to bed. That's the last thing I want to say about Rod. His funeral, though. It reminded me of either like an old kung fu movie or a spaghetti western. With like the the rapid close-ups on the faces.
2: <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> I was expecting like, you know, somebody to fucking throw a flying kick. You know, John Saxon break out of a fucking roundhouse or... You know, Clint would just show up out of nowhere and start shooting people. Yeah. It's, it, that The way that was filmed seemed out of place.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, I was just praising Craven for his for his work with uh, the camera. But I didn't I didn't catch that. But
1: so I, I did think that the movie had some filler part. And, and here's where it came in. The hospital scene when he took Nancy to get tested. Seemed pointless to me. Seemed like filler. The only thing it established was that she could pull a part of Freddie out of the dream. But that could have been established in any of the other countless dreams. Because it did nothing to progress the mother, right? Like, as a matter of fact, it doesn't make sense with the progression of her mother. You know, because she sees, like, oh, hey, you pulled a piece of uh, Freddie's sweater back with you. Let me bar these windows. Well, you see, it'll protect you from somebody inside your dreams.
0: I, th- I think the hospital scene worked because it, because it, you were
1: loaded on vodka.
0: Well, and I'm a big Roger Rabbit fan, but because I think he, you know, they had the, the sleep doctor, Charles Fleischer, um, sort of explaining dreams to the audience. And I think her going to the sleep, the doctor, I think that would be the natural progression of a, you know, even though her mom is
1: is two shakes to the wind. But if two people hadn't died, it's the same problem that you have in nightmare three with uh, the doctor, Elizabeth, after Neil and Nancy get kicked out. And Neil's like, just listen to the kids. And she's like, I will. And secretly she's saying, fuck you. Sedations for everybody. <laughs> so, all the, all the hospitals seemed to me. Uh, th- there was one other thing that it helped further establish, and that that's the parents are fucking morons. You know, yeah, we see that Nancy can pull, you know, Freddie out of the dream, but more importantly, it further solidified that her mom's an idiot.
0: And we also, we also established that Freddie wrote his name in his fedora <laughs> like somebody was going to take it. Well, it's probably that somewhere like, also. it. It's probably got it on the. Bottom of his boot, like Andy and fucking, right? Toy Story, <laughs> <Fred> Krueger, <Fred. laughs>
1: One part on each foot. Oh, you know what? I did make a, a note of it because here it is Josh. How many Elm Street? Shit. How many Elm Street children are there? If Freddy's already killed twenty of these motherfuckers,
0: yeah, really? Oh,
1: is Elm Street? 'Cause usually in these communities these streets don't run that long, right?
0: Yep. I can tell you this ain't a cul-de-sac street.
1: This must be like an interstate.
0: Yeah. And when do the parents start moving? After the fifth? Sixth?
1: Um
0: I'll tell you when. They don't.
1: Well, they don't move. But remember Freddy's dead, people didn't (sighs) think about Freddy, whatever it was. I can't remember because I don't think about that movie too much. So, yeah, I thought the middle of the movie was a combination of world building and then filler. Um, I'm always a fan of world building. You know, we talked about this with like Stephen King books. The one thing I thought that Stephen King does really well is world building. I think the thing that he does really poorly is ending a book. Um, you alluded to it here. You yeah, know, the ending of the movie, and we're about to come up to it. You know, uh, one special effect that I... I like the scene, but one special effect that doesn't really hold up now, when you look at it, is the "I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy,"
0: which I thought was a Oh yeah, uh, and
1: uh, the no. one, yeah, that's one of those one-liners. It's not like, like you get later on. You know, decent line, um, but you you get this weird looking special effect that just doesn't. I don't even think back then it was all that great, as much as it just fit into the context of the scene.
0: Yeah, and to me, I just think it sort of adds to the charm, though.
1: Um, I mean, I think like I said, it's a good scene. I just think like this, the special effects look like somebody lumps some clay on a phone.
0: An electronic tongue moving yeah. we so, back and forth.
1: So here we go. With more parents being stupid, right? Glenn dies. And Glenn doesn't just die. Glenn explodes into like a Shark tank full of blood spewing out of his bed, right? I mean, there... This must be like the blood from the previous two children that Freddie killed. Because it wasn't Glenn's skinny body having all this blood.
0: Hey, uh... What was I going to say? Like, yeah, his parents were pretty funny, though. (laughs) Like, uh, just their reaction to nancy like
1: oh yeah they just thought that shit crazy yeah like nancy's fucking crazy but we're not sure that glenn can get another girlfriend so <laughs> <laughs> like, we don't want our son to go into his adulthood alone but like after glenn dies right the parents are still fucking oblivious to what's going on like I, once again, I get, because you're trying to ground this in realism, right? So you're not going to believe in dream demons. But you've got blood fucking seeping through the ceiling, right? Because it's a two-story house. At this point, you've got blood dripping down into the lower level of this house. More blood than is humanly possible. Surely at this point, you've got to be like, something's fucking going on here, and it's not natural. Because my son weighed 130 pounds. And I've got 200 pounds of blood <laughs> floor, or my ceiling to the ground floor. And then, and then, like, and Glenn dies in his sleep, right? So what's the fucking response to that? Nancy, you need to go to fucking sleep. Yeah. These three people died in their sleep. Go take a nap, goddammit. Get some fucking sleep. Okay. I-
0: yeah, it's Glenn's strong. death was—it is fucking. <laughs> I
1: just right Bruce and
0: Lance. Yeah, well, I was looking for that. Yeah, there we go. But uh, his death was so bad. The guy whose job it is—just
1: oh, real quick, in case anybody's listening uh, to this and doesn't get that—it's a Simpsons reference. We have nothing no. against people named Bruce and Lance.
0: <laughs> but th- the coroner was puking. Yeah, the coroner. Uh, an elected official meant to like declare somebody dead this was the grossest thing you'd ever seen
1: so now we're getting to the fucking Kevin McAllister part right we see earlier that Nancy read had read a book on fucking booby traps like she's in Vietnam you know we're about to get some fucking
0: and that scene was when Ohio looked the most beautiful
1: yeah right and Glenn's fucking just scarfing down some food in happier times but And we talked about this briefly, but we're going to talk about it now. Nancy gives herself, what, 20 minutes, right? Yep. To set these booby traps, say goodnight to her mom, and fall asleep. Go to sleep. She sets a lot of fucking traps. I don't know that she could have set one of those traps in 20 minutes, but she sets all of them in 10 minutes because when she looks at her watch, 10 minutes has passed. Like Kevin McAllister, like you said, we're talking about Kevin McAllister, it took him a whole afternoon to prepare for the wet bandits yeah nancy did it in 10 minutes
0: and then went to sleep yeah the inner entered rim cycle
1: yeah i and maybe it's just me because i have trouble sleeping but i don't fucking fall asleep that fast i don't fall asleep that fast when i'm drunk
0: well imagine if she was that tired how how ineffective she would be at setting those traps
1: how shy did put together they'd be yeah. like there was supposed to be a hammer that fell and you just see it like laying on the ground beside it, never actually put up <laughs> Like, oh shit, I forgot.
0: So, <laughs> like, Freddy walks out the door, and the sled hammer just falls from the top of it. Right. Like just, and he just looks at it.
1: Yeah, like I said, just fucking falls asleep. She goes and tells the mom good night. The mom further, further solidifies her worthlessness. Uh, but. The one thing I like I noticed, you know, she goes into the dream, she's fucking like, Ah, Freddie, blah, 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 whatever. You know, she doesn't she told her dad before this, like, hey, at this time, you know, come to the house and he puts, you know, one of his cronies to watch in the fucking house who's in a few minutes is gonna show himself as be an idiot also. When,
0: hey, do you know who do you know who that guy is? No. The dude he put outside it was the sheriff and scream.
1: Ah. Uh, but when Nancy grabs Freddy Pulls him out of the dream Shouldn't Freddy have been in her fucking arms And she pulled him out of the dream
0: Again I'll forgive it Because it is a pretty good jump scare
1: So anyways Yeah okay
0: It, it was effective
1: <laughs> So in my note Cop is a fucking idiot Because I think at this point she's running to the windows <laughs> She's smashing the windows right They're like hey get my dad He's like What I, I don't know. You know, uh, you know we we know people are dying because we're obviously over here at this fucking murder scene.
0: But him acting like that tracks though, because the entire town or street waited till twenty kids to die before they did something. This guy's like, I'm going to wait on the sixth window.
1: So, well, yeah, exactly. And, it, and what this reminds me of is a Disney TV show. You know how Disney will make a show? With, you know, it's focused on kids, and so the parents are always like goofy and dumb. Mm-hmm. This is a fucking Disney sitcom at this point. The adults are morons. Like, hey, I'm dying. He's killing me. <laughs> movie, but you get the point. Like, fucking shaking these bars, smashing out windows. Like, what oh, the fucker, if she's smashing out a window. Don't you think something's wrong? She's not just <laughs> smashing out a perfectly good window. <laughs> so. Pulls fucking Freddy out, and then like you said, Freddy turns into a fucking buffoon in his final act. He's not scary, you know. He's he's getting owned at this point. Like he's falling for all these fucking traps.
0: It becomes like a Three Stooges episode.
1: Yeah, getting hit by sledgehammers.
0: Or like the Benny Hill music playing in the background. (laughs) And just just put Benny Hill music in the background and just speed up. Like, that entire thing, but, like...
1: were they running really fast? Yeah. Yeah, right? So, whatever, she fucking kills, kills Freddy, you know, sets him on fire. Then he goes and jumps on the mom.
0: Which is dangerous. He's already on fire. Like, she's full of alcohol. <laughs> right. She's just going to burn you to a crisp.
1: Surprise, the house didn't explode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't think the special effects were that great, like especially when the skeleton. Because she burned down to a skeleton, right?
0: Yeah, and then she How disappears. Was
1: that fucking fire? Did she burn to a skeleton? Because we've seen other movies where people burned up and they left a corpse, but she just skeleton. Whoa. Nothing, no blood, no body parts or anything like that. Just a fucking skeleton. And then falls into that little hole with the blue light, which for some reason remind me of a. A fucking sleazy bar.
0: Oh, God, yeah.
1: I, I expected but, a drug dealer to come up and ask me if I wanted a fucking hit of crack or meth.
0: But this the, this entire ending uh, leads credence to, to the theory that all of this was a dream. Because the mom is a fucking skeleton, disappears into a, a, a fucking mattress, And then Freddy comes up, and then she just wills him away.
1: Yeah, that's it. By
0: taking away his powers. It gets real, real messy on that third act.
1: And, And then, like, everything, everybody shows back up alive, and he pulls her through the window, which, when you go into the, the other movies, cause I think they mentioned in part two, you know, like she watched her boyfriend die. Well, Glenn's at the end of that movie, right? Glenn and Tina and asshole Rod for some reason. Mm-hmm. Like, even if I was dreaming, I'd have probably left Rod dead in my dream. Um, but like the, the movies, the ending's misleading. And I guess if you're thinking of it as a one-off, okay. But once it became a, you know, a series, it suffers like other series do with continuity. Like it does a good job for the most part with continuity, like Nancy's mother died. But then we're also saying that Glenn died. So then that would mean that the events that happened previously were real. The end sequence is a dream with Rod them all alive. But how many times is Nancy's mom got to die, I guess, in these dreams? Yeah, it's all it's mom, like feel these deaths each time her daughter dreams her dying. Because at this point, it just seems like maybe Nancy's mad at her mom for being an alcoholic. It's like, fuck you, I'm getting back at you.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's all it's all confusing. I, I guess if I would have to assume that that when Nancy went to sleep that last time, that that all of this was the continuation of the dream. Even her mom getting sucked in through the window. But you know, it was Bob Shea. You know, uh, Craven didn't want that ending. Um, and... Oh, Him yeah. and Bob I mean, Shay had many arguments
1: well, You know Bob Shay's looking to try to get his studio off the ground. I mean I get where he's coming from on that you know, it's, but yeah, it's
0: do you but do you still I mean Just have Freddie return in the next movie like what? Well, what's the hang-up with? Having that stinger, you know,
1: I don't know I Mean I get the question about a lot of movies but so We're done I guess with part one now. So, you know, go ahead and run through some final thoughts real quick. And then I'll, uh, chime in after you get yours in there.
0: Well, the movie cost 1.8 million and the equivalent of two and a half million. Like I said earlier, it, it fucking grossed 25, which in today's money is 60, around 63 million. The movie did gangbusters. Um, uh, you know, all these studios that, they were afraid to take a risk on Craven's um, script. You know, they they really missed out. I, I personally think, um, to me, this movie holds up, and to me, it's it's it is a classic. And of all the horror franchises, this is the most original. And I also, think you know, even when we discuss these later two movies, I still don't think they've made it a truly terrifying Nightmare on Elm Street and they could and they, and it, and it seems like it's, it would be easy for someone who's a talented screenwriter to make one that just knocks it out of the park. And this, this, this character of of Fred Krueger, uh, it's iconic for a reason. Um, his look His goddamn name, Freddy Krueger. I mean, how great is that? Um, You know, and people have said it a million times and I'll say it now. It's like with Michael Myers, it's like, well, technically just don't babysit Jason. You know, don't go camping. Texas Chainsaw Massacre with Leatherface. Uh, don't go to Texas anywhere you that, that's ever. Right, so you can drive through Texas.
1: Uh,
0: yeah, just fly, fly over Texas. Yeah, but with, but with Freddy, you, you you have to sleep, and it's perfect. And yeah, this this movie has some hiccups. Um, it does have its flaws, but I think there is so much here that outweigh even the last third act, which, which suffers from silliness. It holds up. And if, you know, I'm all about scores and rankings and ratings and lists to me, this is uh like a 8.3 out of 10. Um.
1: So I don't, I'm I'm not going to give it a numerical value. Uh, that's your thing. I know you like doing that. Um, I just, I hurt my head when I started thinking about that. You know, uh, I will tell you where I think it ranks later on after we talk about the other two that's in, gonna be in this episode, and I'll kind of give you my placements there. There's not too many deaths in the movie, which we talked about earlier, so it's not to the point where it's just a kill fest where it's like, okay, let's run through the motions. This person's gotta die, this person's gotta die, this person's gotta die, which I thought was good. The kills made sense. They, they fit into the context of the story for the most part the practical effects were good there's some like I said that didn't hold up uh, Tina's death I'm with you best death in the movie even for a movie about a dream or a dream killer it wasn't too crazy it, didn't, it hadn't gone off the rails like it does in the later movies which I liked the movie goes out of its way to make the adults seem like absolute morons the middle of the movie there's some lulls in it to me and, I, and I'm not saying that like people have to die I just think that some of the middle scenes were kind of like uh, yeah, established a little bit of lore but not too much uh, there's, there's parts like I said that I feel like were added just to extend the runtime. I told you my thought about the hospital scene I think it's there just so we can get to 100 you know or an hour and a half or 90 minutes Freddy not as scary as I remember in this movie a lark or that has to do with the cackling you know, the, the silliness in the final act, like you said, you know, where all of a sudden he becomes ineffective. Like, you know, to use a, a gaming term, you were just murking people. You know, when you I don't even first, know what that means. You killed the first three people. and then
0: you, What does that mean?
1: You're just, you're killing people, man. Like, you're just, you're wrecking people, right? Like, he wrecked the first three people he killed. Clint to the point where he set a world record for blood loss. Like he's just destroying people, right? And not with god powers, like in the later movies. But he ran through the first three people, and then he gets to Nancy, and all of a sudden, you can't even walk through a fucking doorway without getting hit by a hammer. Like the the booby trap part didn't sit well with me. And then the taking away of his powers didn't sit well with me, which obviously. Didn't work because you end up taking Hypnosil, which is established in third, which not in the first movie. So I get it, but still, um, you know. Overall, that I man, I thought the movies, the movie's really good. Uh, you know, it's a great entry point. You know, a lot of times you run into where the first movie is the best movie, right? You know, I think with uh, Halloween, and I'm not counting the 2018 version. I know you really like that one. I have opinions on it. But like with Halloween, that was the best one, right? The Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies—the first one was the best one. I think with this series and which was Friday Thirteenth—is to me, the first one's not the best one. I'm still going to tell you later on where I think it places, but it's not the best movie. But I think it still, as a standalone movie, if you watch just this and never watch another one, I think it's a great movie. I think it's a, an excellent horror movie. You know, the music's good. Uh, the set pieces are good. The acting's good enough. The char- The characters, the characterizations are a little, eh. I know Rod was over the top and asshole. He's probably the character that stood out the most, but he's not, he didn't stand out in a good way. It's where, you know, you'd be like, man, Rod was my favorite character. There's not really, I guess, a favorite character in this movie. Like I think we go into part two, You know, the friend is my favorite character there. So, Grady. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, Montu.
1: Yeah. So now we won't be able to talk about that later. But yeah, you get to, like I said, as a standalone movie, it's fantastic. It just it has things it does really well and then things that it missed on. Yeah, it is what it is. Um. So now.
0: Nancy taking away his powers. I don't have a problem with that. Even if she has to take hypnosis later, because um, I think you could use Freddie as um, as a symbology of addiction or or just something coming back to haunt you. You know, like they say about a smoker. A, a smoker is always a smoker when the chips are down. So I, d- I didn't have a problem with that. Um, I think that kind of works if they'd have just went about it in a different way, because it or it is the sins of the parents that are causing this. and
1: Well, so here's my, here's, I guess, is my problem with uh, taking the power away before we move on to part two. How did he get power of these children in the first place? Because they didn't well, know about him. So they just started dreaming about him, right? So if she was taking his power away to cause him to disappear, then he should have never appeared because they had no reason to dream about him. Yeah, and
0: then you get into some, you know, murky, muddy waters. Cause
1: like I said, I think you, they got into that Stephen King territory where they wrote themselves into a a situation they didn't know how to get out of. The ending's not the best part, to be sure. It's uh, I'm not going to say it's the worst, I because I think that's supposed to... Brady's dead final nightmare
0: yeah yeah well that's going to take the cake on everything that's yeah. bad about New this Line franchise
1: well New Line ran into this thing where you know I think we're getting ahead of ourselves and but they ran into this thing where all of a sudden people had to be killed by family members and it's just really stupid so I think we're both in agreement though when we'd say that you know we've We'd love Nightmare on Elm Street, and we'd obviously recommend it to our friends if they were if they had never seen it. And they're like, "Hey, Billy, what's a horror movie I could watch?" Or, "Hey, Josh, give me a recommendation." I think we'd both be like, "Yeah, watch this movie. It's really good."
0: Oh, definitely, definitely. To me, this is it's up there with um, '80s horror movies. Maybe. So, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say like. Uh, And I didn't write them down. I meant to. um, Just a a side note. 1984 was a big year for movies. Big year. Ghostbusters, Beverly Hills Cop, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, Part 4, Amadeus, The Karate Kid, uh, Temple of Doom. Just I I wish I was a teenager in 1984 going to the theater to see these movies. That would have been. That would have been the bee's knees. But, yes, let's move on to what many people call the gayest horror movie ever.
1: I didn't notice it at first. The one scene where, you know, you're towel whipping somebody, that's a little out there. Overall, I don't think the whole movie's... You know, and if it is, whatever, who cares? I mean, I'll go ahead and say it. uh, I go up front on the first part. I thought Neverland Street's a good movie. When I first saw it, I still think it's a good movie. I didn't understand why people shit on it, especially when there's other nightmare and Elm street movies to shit on. And like, I'll, I'll have people be like, Oh, well, you know, nightmare on Elm street, Freddy's dead. That's better than nightmare on Elm street part two bullshit. I don't know what movie you watched, but it must have been the same movie I watched.
0: No. Perhaps. Well, I think both me and you are defenders of this movie. I do. I do think, you know, like I, like you said, with, um, uh, the gayness of the movie, I didn't realize it the first time I watched it. But once you're aware of it, yeah, it's it's pretty obvious. But to me, that's what makes the movie, honestly. We'll get into it. But the movie was written by David Chaskin, who has flip-flopped about his intentions with the movie. He sort of goes whichever way the wind blows. Um, yeah. Well,
1: a lot of people do that when they start talking about movies. Like, they just change their mind like that's the problem with talking to people about movies that they did in the past is then they'll yeah. change their tune on it
0: which I wasn't criticizing Chaskin I get it fucking just you know go where whatever the narrative is because what's he going to do be like no, I, I, I tried to make this you know um, and, and it blows my mind with this movie because even Jack Shoulder who still to this day claims
1: we we talked already talked about my part when i saw it so obviously i didn't get to see this in chronological order did you
0: no 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 this is i couldn't even tell you how old i was i was, I was probably older than 12
1: so we both had the same thing where we didn't get to see the movie in chronological order so where did you see it where did you see that or how did you see it, you,
0: see it? <sighs> you know i don't remember um it might have been that DVD box set. The first—I don't want to say that was the first time I'd probably seen bits and pieces on HBO. Do you remember the first time you saw
1: it? No, not particularly. i, I do not actually. I—I I couldn't tell you, like, and I can't just remember exactly when I saw any of them. Like, I remember seeing Nightmare on Elm Street one at uh, somebody's house. That it was somebody that my mom and stepfather knew. I don't even know who it was because it wasn't a family member to the best of my recollection. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, I saw when I was living in Georgia. We lived in this trailer park, and I saw it at somebody else's house. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 4 and 5, I probably rented myself. Or got my dad to rent. Freddy's dead. May have saw that in a theater. If I did, I hate myself for it. Yeah,
0: I hate you if
1: you saw it in a theater. So... I guess with like Nightmare on Street 2, just starting off, I liked the school bus opening more than I liked the glove creation. Uh, the glove creation to me just didn't fit. If the movie would opened with the Tina scene, yeah, like cold opened with Tina, I feel like the person would have been better off for it. So I like how this opens up with the school bus. The one thing that it's odd to me is like they go out of their way to make Jesse look like a social outcast here when obviously that's not the case once you get into the and i guess maybe that's just representing his feeling about moving into a new neighborhood
0: yeah his vulnerability
1: but yeah like he has the greasy hair supposedly unpopular but then he ends up dating like uh, one of the most popular girls in school i'm assuming right the rich girl at that and jesse more so and I know this has been covered before but more so than anybody in the first movie anybody in this movie has the best scream
0: oh it's 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 amazing the pitch yeah, you can get well, the first thing I noticed uh when starting this movie and and you know watching it with a uh, with a critical eye is I love this score I like this score better than the first one this it's 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 eerie you know. Um, it's more dreamlike, but it it was so funny, like once you realize you're in a nightmare and Freddie's tr- driving the bus, there is something just inherently funny about Freddy shifting gears with his glove hand,
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, Freddie, like you said, uh, well, Freddie, aside from the the comedy of the glove shifting gears, I guess, immediately Freddie's scarier, yeah first movie, like I told you I had problems with his laughing and stuff like that. But I think in the uh, second movie, he's much scarier, much creepier, you know, really, uh, really helps establish the movie. And that was one of the things I liked about part 2 like, you know, part two is for the most part, like a, it's a horror movie. They can, you know, where the other nightmare, on Street movies become comical when this one doesn't Even well. liners in this movie are creepy. You know, like when he's like, you got the body and I've got the brains. It's not funny. Like, ha 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 ha. You jokester, you. Well, one
0: thing I, um, uh, I'll say is, uh, Kevin Yeager did the uh, makeup effects for Freddie and this is my favorite Freddie look. It looks like a witch and that's perfect because he's, he's got these witch qualities of trying to get kids, you know? Yeah. And. and like the crooked nose, and he's, ooh, he is. This movie is wet, to say the least. And and Freddie's just glistening, like,
1: like. <laughs> so, yeah, you get the uh, the dance scene, and and I guess I guess that's one of the, the scenes that's you know highlighted for naysayers or you know people that have a problem with it. They're like, oh, that seems so gay. Tell me you haven't fucking danced when nobody's around or just been caught doing something embarrassing. I mean,
0: you've described my entire teenage years, but to me, it surprised me because I was looking forward to the dancing because it's, it's sort of infamous now or just famous now, not even infamous. And it's really not that long, you know? I mean,
1: how long he, are you going to be dancing?
0: I mean, I was hoping for like 20 minutes of him dancing. I
1: mean, you can only take the sex appeal so high. And then it becomes a porno. Oh,
0: God. Those glasses.
1: Well, that's 80s. That, that's an 80s thing.
0: That's great. I love it. I love it.
1: Um, Like, just kind of like highlight the fact that like, you know, we've all been caught doing something embarrassing. Because, you know, when they walk in on him, you know, he's in the middle of this fucking routine can you can you go into detail i got a, well i was about to tell you about like i was at mcdonald's one time this is when i still lived in carthage but i was at mcdonald's and, and you've been there you know how to serve it. well you know that one night we went through there and they're like oh we're changing the grill over to be 30 minutes and then mikhail and mitchell came behind us and they're like yeah we're changing the grill over to be like an hour or some shit," and then they drove back around and came through again and got service so I just always assumed that the service there is shit. But I was in line one day. I ordered, um, hadn't ordered shit. I was just sitting there waiting. Nobody had said something. You know, I'm listening to the radio. I'm singing along, you know, with the radio. They come on. They take my order. And I stop singing as soon as I hear them. They take my order. I guess there's a little bit of a line, so I'm kind of stuck there. And I go back to singing along with the radio. I don't know what B is in, but it was a it was a hot day and I'm assuming it was a piece of shit vehicle I had because I was younger. Air conditioner probably didn't work good, so I had the window down. I'd get up to the window, man, and everybody in fucking McDonald's is laughing at me because they heard me singing.
0: <laughs>
1: I assumed that they couldn't fucking hear me because any other time you talk to them, they don't respond, right? Yeah. So, yeah, we've all been there. I mean, I didn't get caught dry humping my uh, drawer or anything like that, but shit happens. Uh, one thing and you know you and i've talked about this before hd will ruin old movies you know where there's like batman 89 where you can see cables attached to batman when he jumps or like when you watch the terminator and you can see that there's no blade in the exacto knife and that movie when they're going through freddy's diary there's no words in the diary there's no oh. blank pages <laughs> <laughs> like even if you just fucking drew some squiggly lines on there
0: i mean hire a fucking to just write shit in there you know right but and it's no, funny no, though oh, go ahead. No, well i was just gonna say like right after that dream he has with the bus he goes downstairs and uh fu manchu cereal can't do that now <laughs> <laughs> oh, <yeah>. <laughs> can't <laughs> do that shit. yeah I, forget about that yeah, that didn't that that aged is as... so
1: well i was gonna say like I do like the continuity in the movie, like Nancy's house still has bars and like you can tell they're in the process of removing them. Because I got the bars off the bottom done. I guess they didn't bother to take them off before they sold the house. Like if you're the realtor and you're having trouble selling the house, maybe take the bars off. Yeah. That might help. But you waited until somebody bought it And you're like Oh yeah by the way If you want these bars off You gotta fucking remove them yourself
0: Well if you're the realtor Won't you make sure The fucking house is empty Before you sell it I'll just leave that salary right there That'll be fine But it Seems uh, like But Jesse's got a little toot in this movie When he goes downstairs And his sister's about to pour him A bowl of cereal Yeah
1: He snaps at her
0: He snaps at his baby sis For trying
1: to Making breakfast. Well, I think, the, yeah, the characters in this movie were—they're better characters. They're actually characters. I think in the first movie, you just—you had people roles, but they didn't really have personalities for the most part, right? Like John saxon didn't really have a personality until part three when he's a fucking drunk. But yeah, they all have—they all have personalities here, and I think you get character development in this movie too. Like. You know, it's hard to have character development in part one if your characters don't have character. And like you said, you know, Jesse has a little attitude here. You you see transitions with the characters. Freddy got rid of the fucking Caesar Romero laugh, so it's more menacing now. Yeah,
0: you know? <laughs> there's still some Freddy scenes in this that are. Uh, I, I'm just gonna have to skip ahead because you, you're talking about like he is a scarier Freddy. You know, there's no cackling, but when he's in Lisa's house and he's having the showdown and even like when he goes outside to the pool scene, he loves just throwing shit on the ground like plates.
1: (laughs) Well, he might have had a a, a problem with, you know, like a dirty house when he's younger or something. I don't know. He's like
0: a child in this one
1: I <laughs> think you know but you were talking about the, the movie being wet and people glistening so how cheap is the dad got to be in this movie it's 97 degrees in the fucking house like what house gets to be 97 degrees even without an air conditioner And like you and I when we roomed together had a problem with AC and I don't think we ever got to 97 degrees but we know what our issue was like here just buy a new air conditioner I know window units or something
0: and the dad just, it's just, just the t- typical 80s asshole dad, just by the numbers, blames the wife on the parakeets exploding by her buying cheap feed. <laughs>
1: right?
0: Like, whoa, brother.
1: <laughs> You're yeah, talking about the parakeets exploding. One thing that took uh, that took me out of the movie, I guess, is they exploded in a, like a, <laughs> Looney Tunes sense, right? The way they blew up. And there's just fucking feathers flying around everywhere. It oh yes. Cartoonish, the way they blew up.
0: Like it I seemed like, like, I like see a bomb with Agni written on it. Or Sylvester the cat coming around the corner. <laughs> right. But but and in, in this and this sort of pertains to um the first nightmare I ever had when I was like four years old or three about Nightmare, about Freddy, but one of the most effective things in this movie and in any horror movie, which they, a lot of people don't do this now, but when Jesse has the dream and he he sees Freddy, but Freddy doesn't see him and he goes downstairs and he looks inside the the basement or the cellar and he sees Freddie throwing whatever into the, um, the, the boiler. Like to me, that is so creepy. And like to watch somebody doing something and they don't know you're watching them. Yeah. And then he sees like Freddy's shadow down in the basement. Um, that's really good shit. That is.
1: Now, the uh, the way it was filmed, didn't it? Uh, I'm trying to remember, but didn't, like, Freddy's face was dark, and but you could see his eyes, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, that stood out, yeah. And then, you know, going back to the fucking hot-ass house, if your birds blew up, wouldn't that be a sign that you need to get an AC worked on? Like, it's so well, I think, hot that pets are just exploding.
0: I think it's a sign of something even more serious than that. Like cheap, cheap feed. feed. Yeah.
1: yeah. I guess not the AC. Damn it, it's that cheap bird feed you bought.
0: <laughs> and then we get introduced to Grady, who's the best character in the movie. Yeah. And I love, I love that fight they get into at so- softball practice, I guess, at PE. Um, did you notice, like, Lisa is off to the corner uh, doing archery training Yeah. at a high school?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, there's a lot of things about Springwood in this movie that are questionable. You know, the archery training, yeah. And, you know, it was the 80s. It was back in the day. Like, maybe they did that in schools like that. Maybe, Maybe the rich kids got to do archery training. I don't know. I can't say for sure. You know, my first elementary school, you know, half the year we had nothing on our playground. It was just ground. And then we got a jungle gym for all of the students to use at recess. So I, I can't speak to more affluent schools, but yeah, the archery, you know. Jesse and Grady started off as adversaries, but I guess through the torture of the sadistic bar loving coach. Well,
0: know. they had a they had a boys a will be boys fight. Yeah. Where you pull down the other guy's pants. And that usually creates a bond that can't be broken because you know, you you he's had his dick in your face and
1: when you go to the gay bar i guess that's one of the scenes that you know it's supposed to be like oh man this movie's super gay and i get that it was the 80s and it was a different time when the movie was made but it's such a cliche like and surely it had to be then like that the gay bar is all a bunch of dudes in leather yeah it's like long yeah into a judas priest concert it just seems like over the top cartoony I guess. Yeah,
0: but you know, and even after that scene, um,
1: like you couldn't do something like, like that today, definitely. Like it, it'd be offensive and, and rightfully so,
0: or it'd be treated as comedy.
1: Yeah, but here it was just it was treated as you know normal, and then the bar is fucking packed too. So and it's not that it's, you know, there's that many, you know, gay people in Springwood, but there's that many people that like to dress up in leather.
0: Mm. But not everybody's dressed up in leather. I was I was watching. It was
1: like it was it was weird. And, you know, then you go back to the high school and, you know, you, you do. Uh, you get the. The ass whipping with a towel
0: yeah and i mean that's such an odd scene i mean and it's like how is jack's shoulder not realizing what he's filming because he's he's denied the entire time like i didn't know we were making that yeah I, it's like you put the camera on the dude's ass You put the camera on the dude's ass and a towel slapping it.
1: And it's out of place, too, for, like, just the the movie. Like, even this movie. Because other people aren't dying by getting their ass slapped by a towel. And it's not happening before they die. There's not, like, any kind of, like, weird, kinky torture to the characters, right? And it's out of place for Freddy. Because, like, up until this point, he's been brutal. And even, like, the people he kills in this movie... You're like, you know, when he kills Grady, it's, it's not like he's putting a ball gag in his mouth or something like that. And then when he kills the people at the party, you know, he's like, you're all my children now. You know, but then this one scene, though, like, well, we're going to pop this dude in the ass. Yep. Yeah. It,
0: it, like, it, it,
1: I'm like you. I'm, I'm, like, I'm with you. Like, you can deny this all you want and say you weren't doing this. And then you try to deny that you set up. Uh, Mark Patton. But then you got this scene in there and it's, it's hard to be like, yeah, I didn't know. Like, like you said, man, you zoomed in on a dude's ass while I was getting hit by a towel. What'd you think you were filming?
0: I mean, I could see you, you being a little blind to the fact that right before that you had all these balls flying at his face. (laughs) <laughs>
2: I forgot about that
0: I mean and one of the things about Jack Shoulder obviously I don't know him personally but so I, I can't I, I don't mean to sound like I'm judging him too harshly but I've seen in like these documentaries especially uh, Never Sleep Again Tory's where he's very he's kind of dismissive of uh Mark Patton, and he, he he said like we've had we had Christian Bell, uh, not Christian Bell, Christian Slater, and Brad Pitt read for the role, and he's like yeah we went with Mark. It's like man, this movie wouldn't
1: work without Mark. And Mark, can, like both of those guys are like known commodities at that time too. Like it's easy to be like in hindsight, oh we had Brad Pitt read for the movie, we could have went with Brad Pitt. <laughs> But, was but this, Mark Patton, like it had some acting in there before then I mean, like he was a, he was a known quantity,
0: and and I think this movie works because Mark Patton, he was a vulnerable guy, you yeah. know, especially if you watch it that the documentary Scream Queen and and what he was going through, like his vulnerability showed through in this character, and okay. the fact that he was a gay man, made this movie even. More memorable because of these elements that apparently Chaskin and Shoulder knew nothing about.
1: <laughs> right. So yeah, Mark's acting in the movies uh, way better than what you got out of Langley Camp in the first one, and I would say even in the third one. Like I said, her character is what it is. Um, you know, it, it seems like really like soft spoken all the time, but Mark Mark's character, like I said, every bite in the second movie had character you know the parents had character the sister had character you know mark the best friend the girlfriend like these people all had character and you know mark and like i said the actor that played grady i think did a really good job but i I, I like how grady went from i will say this um it's a little jumping ahead but i like how grady went from like badass to goofball when later on he's trying to talk during lunch and he's got his mouthful
0: Okay, I'll get to Grady, but I I do want to bring up, like, after Schneider dies and that infamous shower scene, the cops find uh, Jesse walking the streets naked, and they bring him back home, and the cops tell the parents, like, we found him wandering around naked, and Jesse's dad, Ken, I remember, asked Jesse a pretty reasonable question, you know, and Jesse responds with toot. <laughs> he he asks, and he's like, Jesse, are you on drugs? What else would you say to your teenage son who cops just brought home where you're running around the streets naked? Are you on drugs? Seems pretty fucking valid. Uh, And Jesse's like, "Uh, no, dad, I'm not on drugs. I just wander around naked in the rain.
1: It's just something I do.
0: Jesus, get off my back.
1: So uh, one thing I want to point out too before we move on um, that just drove me fucking crazy. And I hate it in any movie, but it really stood out here was the loud ass gum chewing by Schneider. Yeah, it was so audible.
0: I love it. I love it. it. And he was chewing gum in every fucking scene, and he had a nickname for fucking Grady and fucking Jesse. And you don't hear it that often. Dirt balls. Dirt balls. Dirt balls. He called him that like three times. Can we talk about let's 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 talk about Grady? I, I, the the actor the actor's name fails me at the moment. And that's a shame because. I loved him in this. I loved him in weird science, but, um, I think Grady might be the true monster of this movie. Um, he, he can't go to the pool party cause he's grounded because he pushed his grandmother down a flight of stairs. <laughs> and I want to know what this grandmother did. Maybe she was a stone cold bitch.
1: <laughs> well, she could have been holding him up from getting to dinner. They're slow as walking.
0: Yeah, and Grady loves could,
1: to... The house could have been on fire, yeah? Who knows? Mm. He might be like George Costanza, shoving women and children out of the way so he can get out first.
0: Shoved his grandmother down a flight of stairs. That's...
1: That's pretty bad. I, yeah, I can imagine she has, like, broken wrists and shit at this point. Yeah, you know? I
0: mean, she's probably in the hospital.
1: Well, yeah, and now we let it and, Grady for a week.
0: Yep, The weekend.
1: The weekend, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Speaking of Schneider, did he kind of favor Randy Quaid to you?
1: Uh, a little bit, I guess. So, yeah, one note I've got in here, right? So, aside from the parakeets, you know, rest in peace. The first death is like 40 minutes into this movie. And it doesn't feel like it, right? Because you know, like, the movie has content. like There's quality stuff happening. So I didn't even really notice it other than the fact that I looked down at the timer to see how long it was 40 minutes before somebody dies. I once again better than later movies cuz when you get into the later movies <laughs> you end up in a dream of dead.
0: I kind of felt it though. I kind of felt it. It's it was a lot of outside shots of the house. Did you notice that?
1: We had to see the uh, the progression of the bars cuz once you find <laughs> Jesse walking around with the streets as naked, you notice that the top bars are no longer on the windows. They've been brought down. It's like we're making progress on the house, son. We got the bars off the windows. No, we didn't fix the air conditioner, but we got the bars off the windows. The air still you, exploding, but we got the bars off the windows.
0: Did you notice? And and the guy who plays uh, Jesse's dad his name, like Clue Gallagher or something. And did you notice like after? Jesse comes back from walking around the streets of Springwood naked uh, as a day he was born he's going to school the next day and clue gallagher's like on the ladder fixing the rain gutter and him and him and Jesse's mom are talking and Jesse's mom's like well we need to get him some help and Ken says that the only thing Jesse needs is a good ass kicking <laughs> dad of the year and then it cuts right when clue gallagher it looks like he he slips on the ladder, but not in the script, because <laughs> it cuts right as he's slipping. It's it's pretty funny because he's wearing like shorts and tube socks and
1: well, t- typical old man clothing.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, yeah, I'm 40 now, almost 41. I'm getting to that point now. Where I'm gonna start wearing khaki shorts and striped
0: and, socks. I mean. Why not? What else you got to live for besides being comfortable? That's right. And then we get to find out Nancy's mom killed herself in the living room.
1: Yeah. Which would mean the death through the window. Was a dream. No, the death through the window is canon because she got pulled into the living room. The death in the bedroom (laughs) was a dream.
0: Well, I've said my piece. I think I think it's all a dream. But, um,
1: oh, here. Let me point this out real quick because this is one thing that stood out to me, right? Tina's rich, right? Tina? Yeah, Tina's family's rich. Her well-to-do wealthy. Maybe not rich. I mean, she's not Bill Gates, but it's a wealthy?
0: Tina. People. Tina or Lisa?
1: Did I say Tina? Oh, I'm not bad. I'm, for some reason, I wrote Tina, but it's Lisa. Lisa is wealthy. Her family's wealthy, right?
0: Yeah, she's <laughs> the Reagan-era family, yes. So,
1: having a, a pool party. You know, got a little pool house and all that shit, two story house, Mm -hmm. blah, 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 blah. Why doesn't she have a car? Why is she catching a ride with a dude in a beat up ass car?
0: No, that's a that's a fair question.
1: Like it seems like daddy would have got her car.
0: You you think they would drop a line like, Oh, Lisa's BMW's in the shop.
1: Yeah, something. Like you had to catch a ride from the dude that doesn't have an AC.
0: And and speaking of the pool party, um, First off, it's not just a pool party. It's a couple's pool party. I don't know if you noticed. Everybody was paired up.
1: I like the fact that the dad's out there trying to DJ. They even said, like, hey, don't let dad DJ again. And he's out there fucking DJing. Did
0: you notice what else this fucking asshole did? What's that? It's a pool party. And the guy uses the diving board. And he yells at him, don't do that.
1: Well, you know, that's just typical of pools. No, run, no running, no diving, no fun. Yeah.
0: I don't know why I installed this diving board. I fucking hate it.
1: <laughs> I need to fucking cement this pool altogether.
0: He, he told the guy to cut it out for using the diving board at a pool party.
1: <sighs> yeah, so...
0: Fucking parents are assholes in these movies.
1: And they're dumb. Because, you know, when Jesse's mom... Looks at him. He obviously looks horrible. She's like, oh, you're looking better. Like, who the fuck are you looking at? Like, you can see physical degradation on Jesse's character as the movie progresses. And you're like, you're looking better.
0: It's a typical statement you make when you have no idea how to talk to your son. (laughs) Like, just say something. Just say something. You look nice. Those dark circles really bring out your uh, the color of your eyes.
1: You look like you're putting on some weight. Mom, I'm 30 pounds lighter than I was two weeks ago.
0: <laughs> well, that's good.
1: Right? So, I, and I know we talked about him. You know, we talked about Grady. Grady's the best friend that you can fucking have, though. Right? So, Jesse Bell's on the pool party because Freddie.
0: Jesse Bell's on a pool
1: this is this a is chick after,
0: who is wanting to yeah, sleep with him. After
1: his, the tongue comes out. Freddie's tongue comes out. Right. Which
0: was really gross. Oh my uh, God.
1: Yeah. But then the special effects in this movie were good. Like, you know, when Freddie pulls back his head, you know, and shows his brain and all that. Yeah,
0: yeah that Kevin was, Yeager, man, fucking
1: really good. Um, but then Jesse goes to see fucking Grady and he's like, Hey man, I've, you know, I've got a problem and I'm afraid this shit's happening. And Grady, you know, for no concern for his own well-being this is like yeah man you can hang out with me and i'll keep you safe that's a good friend
0: yeah i mean grady's a stand-up guy as long as you're not his grandmother he'll
1: (laughs) yeah as long as you're not granny there's no danger of anything happening to you grandma get um, the fuck out of the way
0: yeah i mean i'm assuming grandma ran her mouth
1: or you know he was behind her on the stairs and she fucking farted in his face
0: I just think she probably just ran her mouth a little bit too much. Possibly. She got a little mouthy. Yeah, you know how.
1: Yeah, just saying shit. No regards to anybody else.
0: Oh, Oh, we know in the past four years how old people just be saying shit.
1: So, you know, like up at this point, we got one person that's died, right? And then, of course, Grady dies. And then his father has to fucking watch him die, sort of, through the door, right? And Jesse Bells and.
0: What did you think about that transformation scene?
1: This, this is the one where the knives protruded through his fingers, right?
0: Which was really good.
1: Yeah, for the most part, uh, I think like the knives looked a little flimsy in some parts, but yeah, it's like I said, it was
0: so hard to please you. God, damn.
1: You know, well, you know, but it's a special effects not. Um, yeah, I thought it looked really good.
0: Outside of when they cut to Jesse as the puppet.
1: So that okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: Well, I Well, just that, that didn't, that wasn't, you know, it didn't hold up,
1: but Jesse like left the pool party. Right. Because he was afraid for Lisa's not yeah, Lisa's safety goes to Grady's gets Grady killed and goes back to the pool party. Because he flees the scene with another another
0: crime. Ooh, those cops got there quick, too, man. You could tell that was a white neighborhood.
1: Yeah, well, thankfully he has clothes on this time. He's not running around butt-ass naked.
0: Well, he didn't button up his shirt.
1: Well, you know, he's like Robert Plant. Robert Plant didn't button his shirt. So we got two deaths up until the pool party. The pool party, like, if it wasn't for the pool party, this movie would have an extremely low body count. Because after the after the pool part, you don't think anybody dies, right?
0: No, 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 no. Yeah. So it
1: would have been two people. And really, if you don't count these deaths here, you're only talking about two like established characters in the movie, which I thought was good. Because a lot of times you run into the, the thing with slasher movies or horror movies where only one person lives.
0: Which I like.
1: I do. Person, one person lives? Yeah,
0: in? yeah. I, I think, like the final girl.
1: I think it takes a, it takes the you know element of surprise out of it, because then it becomes very easy to pick out who's going to live. You already know for the most part.
0: Uh, it's a slasher movie. I mean, I'm not. This isn't a fucking murder mystery.
1: Yeah. So this
0: is not an Agatha Christie novel.
1: So all this stuff's happening in the real world, though. For the most part, right? These aren't dreams where it's happening,
0: and because n- everybody else is awake. So but everybody up, but everybody who's died also hasn't fallen asleep to dream of Freddy.
1: Exactly. So it's, this is like a possession movie.
0: Yes, it and is a hundred percent.
1: Yes. Body horror to an extent. So does that make Jesse responsible for all these people dying? Yeah. Because they're, like they're not dying in their sleep. You're at the scene of every crime. Jesse has to go to jail, right?
0: Yeah, I don't know how Jesse walks away from this when the credits roll. Like, yeah, he's facing like eight murder charges.
1: <laughs> um, how'd you feel about the dog special effects?
0: Oh, ooh. <laughs> you, you want to talk about something that ages like milk. Yeah, that, but even at that time, that was bad.
1: Yeah, that was my feeling, too. Like, you see the you see the uh, the Freddy Krueger toy like the NEC I think that's the company like the stuff me and Daniel buy and like you see the dogs and you're like oh man that's such an iconic scene and then you see it like in action you're like oh man this looks so cool. god
0: uh, and mind you that bad looks bad in eighty five yeah. yeah but th- let's 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 don't let's let's go back to the pool party I know a lot of people hate that Freddy was out in the real world. What are your thoughts?
1: Um, I don't know. Uh, like, I, I heard Robert Englund talk about it, you know, and say, like, they maybe should have just showed Jesse asleep or something.
0: That wouldn't have worked either, though.
1: I don't look at it as a dream movie as much as I do, like, as, as a possession movie. You know, so he's he's taking possession of Jesse. Uh, yeah, I don't know how you have, like, Freddie in the real world, and uh, maybe in my mind he's just a—he's on the screen, so you know that it's Freddie and not Jesse doing it. But if it's a possession movie, then in my mind, I guess everybody else is seeing Jesse. But no, because they acknowledge they see Freddie, so I don't know. I—I I think that puts too much thought into it, and yeah, maybe maybe you're trying—you know—when you start going that deep you're applying logic where it's not necessarily needed.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't mind it because... Um,
1: it's like time traveling back to the future. Like if you just watch back to the future and enjoy it for the movie, it's great. If you start thinking about time travel, then you can poke holes in everything, right? Yeah. If you think too deeply about this, then you can poke holes in the movie and ruin an otherwise enjoyable experience. Well
0: and and I love the buildup of Freddie showing up like the the pool getting hotter. you know the beers like to me that was that was a a nice little setup of of uh, the danger that was coming, you know it's sort of like seeing the
1: everything with Freddie's hot. And apparently everything with Nancy's thing is hot. Just You're
0: Freddy. telling me
1: Freddie didn't live in that house. You know, it's not like it's the Myers house; it's like it was a victim's house, and all of a sudden, this motherfucker can't be cooled off. But like you <laughs> see in part three, like shit's melting all over the place. Um, you see it here where people are. It's you know, once again, birds are exploding, but the house is so hot. Uh, even like when you see him on a school bus, everything looks hot, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Which I get that motif. Yeah. Uh.
1: It, no, it's fine. You're consistent with it throughout the series, you know.
0: Well, at least through three. That's
1: the series. Yeah, <laughs> it's in my notes. Like the Nightmare on Elm Street series should stop at part three. Um,
0: I think four does have its moments, but we'll get
1: there. I you get to the ending, and I don't know, like
0: this guess, ending's worse than the first one, man.
1: Yeah, that's what I was say. Like love killed Freddie.
0: Love of a woman. Yeah. I mean, if you want to see it like that, it is, it is there.
1: It's, yeah, it's like, I love you, Jesse. And then Freddie's like, uh, I can't stand it. Uh. So, yeah, I think like two good movies falter at the end.
0: Yeah. And again, I think this movie would have been, um, remembered more fondly, I, I do think people have come around to this movie, but I think it would have been remembered more fondly if part 3 was part 2 which was a natural progression Yeah, you go to a well, psychiatric ward
1: needed and, time for Nancy to graduate from college
0: no, just fucking I mean, they don't give a fuck about time in these movies um, <clears throat> but this possession angle would have worked a lot better as a part 5 Instead of f- having Freddy come in on a fucking baby Huey, you know. Um,
1: yeah, I did like, uh, I guess, Jesse coming out of Freddy's body. Like, the special effects in the movie are good. And it's another steamy scene or hot scene or whatever. You know, people are sweating. But yeah. it's just the way Freddy, like, the act of killing Freddy was lame. It's... You know, it's a letdown because you're building up to this moment, and then it's it's a non scene. You know,
0: yeah, and they again, yeah, it's like you said, they just they slip on a banana peel on these third acts so far because Jesse should have been the one defeating Freddie. You know, like sort of Superman three. Yeah. You know how Clark Kent and Superman or um, he has to defeat himself. Like it should have been Jesse. Jesse should have been given that hero's moment, and it's taken away from him completely. in yeah. because Jesse's the one who's had to fucking do all, this. especially since Jesse's about to serve time, hard time.
1: Did, so did the Game of Thrones writers do part two? Because they took that hero moment away from John Snow. So maybe they wrote this movie.
0: <laughs> they were probably influenced by this movie to write season eight
1: yeah season eight's fan fiction neighboring on street two yeah so uh yeah Jesse, like you said jesse's about to do hard time because he's he just killed a bunch of people but the other thing too man is jesse doesn't fucking care like he recovered from the trauma of killing his best friend like that he's all shits and giggles after uh he escapes freddy's bodily takeover like you, you get to that next scene with him and Tina, or not Tina, I keep saying that shit. Him and Lisa. You know, Young
0: Meryl Streep, just call her Meryl Streep.
1: On the fucking bus and all that, you know, and he is just, life is grand.
0: How about that cut? Right before it comes out of her chest. Did you notice the cut? Uh, I didn't. The actual movie cut, yeah, it's, I like it. To me, it's just uh, endearing. Uh, final thoughts. On Freddy's Revenge.
1: So for a movie to be called Freddy's Revenge, there's a surprisingly low number of deaths. Or deaths that matter. I don't count the pool party deaths. Those are inconsequential. Those are just random yuppies dying. But two kills, right? The coach and then Grady. So that, you know, I guess odd, especially given the time frame and the movie come out. Um, I thought this, the story was, I don't know, I, I want to say more grounded. That's what I wrote in my notes. And by that, I mean that it was less dream world and more real world. Like I said, possession movie, right? Um, and it was about like an internal struggle. I liked it. I, I liked that. I thought it was different. You know, once again, it keeps you away from over-the-top Freddy, you know, turning into a fucking superhero and deflecting bullets with his chest. You know, so we haven't got to power gloves and shit like that. Scaled back special effects. And by that, I mean, like, there's there's no body shooting out 200 gallons of blood, right? With the exception of the dogs, which looked horrible. We both agree on that. The special effects in the movie were good. once again I think you have a a world that looks like it's lived in like their house looked like a house right like normal people not some immaculate I oh, know I'm so Yeah. no immaculate like thing that you see in other shows like I'm sure you've seen it I'm sure you've seen an episode of Friends right like that's not the real world. That's not people's apartments. That's not how people live. Um, so, common thing amongst the first three movies, at least. You know, the world looks lived in like that. Uh, second, part one though, Lane Freddy. Does. You know, good atmosphere. Overall, you know, I'd recommend the movie. I enjoy it. Um, it's definitely in the top three. Um, we get to the next movie, I'll give, like I said, after the next one, give ratings on or rankings on the three movies. But I guess, spoiler alert, the first three movies were top three for me. It's just a matter of which order we place them in. But I enjoyed it. I liked it. I don't see why the really movie got all that. Even when I saw it before I rewatched it, and you now I've rewatched it a couple times since I originally saw it. But even when I first saw it when I was younger, I didn't. I don't understand, or I didn't understand, the disdain for the movie. I didn't understand why people disliked it.
0: You know, after after watching that documentary on Mark Patton, y- you have a newfound appreciation for um, what he went through. Um, again, like you can leave that documentary with a, thinking that Mark Patton probably, you know, probably puts a little bit too much blame on David Chaskin for certain things, but it's, it's very interesting to see this movie through that lens and I think it it's it speaks to a time in Hollywood, a time in American culture and a time of uh, you know being a gay man at that time. It, 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 it was hard and and you can see that in his performance and you can see it in the script that David Chaskin can, can you know says wasn't there, but it is there. And I think this movie does work. I um, The possession angle. Freddy's scary. Uh, Patton gives a good performance. Lisa, the actress. I mean, it feels like she honestly cares. And, you know, the pool party scene works because, fuck, hashtag make Freddie scary again, and he's scary. Um, and I wonder if people in Springfield... Refer to that as the pool party massacre of 85.
1: Well, I don't know about Springfield, but maybe Springwood.
0: Well, Springfield should acknowledge um, that they're Springwood got, wannabes.
1: They've got their own set of problems. Maybe a buffoon working at a nuclear plant.
0: Well, amongst other things. Uh, you keep releasing Snake out on parole for him to commit crimes. Uh, but... um yeah the pool party massacre of 85 where like nine kids died by (laughs) by homicide but um i also love the movie ending on a bing crosby song i thought that was a nice touch a real nice touch and Don't know who the composer is, but yeah, I think the score just sort of set the tone for the movie and it carried throughout and the entire movie felt like a dream, even if it was a possession movie. I don't know if he noticed it, but there was just this, this haze um, the way they shot it through the entire thing.
1: <laughs> was that a haze or was that moisture from all the heat?
0: Mm, little a, little a, little b. But yeah, it was. It's a seven point three. It, it's you know, if if you look at the big three, you know, um, Halloween, Friday thirteenth, and 911 Elm Street. I think both part twos have been pretty solid. You know Hell even Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2 Is a It's kind of a classic So Horror movies Do pretty good With their part 2's It's it's a pretty easy Follow up And this one This one did its job
1: Saw 2 was shit But so was Saw 1
0: Yeah I I thought we were talking About good franchises
1: I agree with you on that You know There's a lot of people That love Saw For some fucking reason Um I think we should watch them at some point, just because they're so bad. That may be a punishment to myself. Um, so I do want to point out, since you said 7.3, I think you and I probably, and even though I'm not putting numbers on the movies, I, think both I
0: don't know why you had to put a stink on that the way you said numbers.
1: I think, uh, but I was say, I think both of us are harder on movies than what current critics are. Like every, nowadays, when you look at like Rotten Tomatoes or you know something like that, every movie seems to be extremely high. Like every movie's got this super high rating. Unless mm-hmm. it's just horrible, then it has a zero. But like, if you look at like the highest rated movies on these sites, it's all new shit. And you can't convince me that these movies are better than all these movies that came out like in the 70s or 80s, and some of them are. Like, we both love No Country for Old Men, which is a great movie. But then, like, say The Expendables. And I don't know where it's at on there. I don't know how it rates. But, like, comparatively speaking to, like, other action movies... And I don't even know if I can say it. I haven't seen it, but in my mind, it just... It can't be better. Like, I don't think that Aquaman's a a great superhero movie. You know, but it rates higher than like other movies that you'd go back and be like well that was a, and it might be higher than like say 89 Batman Jesus you know,
0: and uh, I think the reason for that though is there's more critics
1: well if there's more critics it seems like that would bring the average down right there, there'd be more room for negative reviews but like everybody's consensusly saying oh yeah these movies are all great and that's like, I think we've gotten a loose definition of what constitutes as a great movie nowadays Or people that are acting as critics, maybe they don't look at movies the way that we look at movies. I don't know. Uh, But let's talk about Dream Warriors, which I think has the best subtitle of all the movies.
0: It's got the best subtitle. It
1: has.
0: It's got two docking songs in this motherfucker.
1: Yeah, I know. Into the Fire.
0: Into the Fire. I think it's got. Uh, the best cast. I think it's the script can get a little, uh, weighed down a little bit, but I think the story is amazing. You go to a, you know, Weston Hills is such a great location. Uh, you got Larry Fishburne, John Saxon, Patricia Arquette. I fucking love the kids. There's a lot about this movie I can go on and on about. I like Craig Wasson. Uh, I've
1: never been a fan of Chish Arquette. There's something about her. She's like the female Kevin Costner.
0: No, no, no. I mean, no, and I mean you, you know, will disagree I on Costner, but notes. Arquette can act.
1: There's a, well, I mean, there's a, no, I didn't say she can no, act. I don't know. There's just some reason I don't like her, but I even have my notes at the very end. Like that she really like sells one of the scenes. But yeah, uh, I, I'm with you. I think, uh, you know, good cast, good music. Um, and now, like probably the, yeah, I mean, obviously the Docking song will place the movie squarely in the 80s. But still, like if you're trying to stay awake, you know, what would you listen to if I could 80s hair metal?
0: Well, in 87, yes.
1: Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> the one, th- like at the very beginning of the movie, though, and I like the opening. Alright, so for the beginning of the movie, I'm just gonna put this out here. Like, the opening is, is all fine and well and good, I guess. But I don't like paper mache. Because paper mache has the consistency of snot. And I know you already know this, just for the sake of anybody that's listening to this. Textures are a big thing for me, like when I'm eating and just watching things, and snot texture, bodily like the kind of bodily fluid texture like that coming out of your mouth, out of your nostrils, or whatever, makes me just want to vomit. And so looking at yeah. paper mache makes me want to fucking. I couldn't do paper mache because it just looks nasty.
0: It yeah, this opening is it, it's gross in that regard because I'll I'll agree because. I always associate paper mâché with it being in your mouth too for some reason I don't know why but um but I will you know speaking of these um opening credits the one thing that doesn't work that sticks out like a fucking sore thumb in this movie is the music it was the it was done by document. No, no, no. We're talking about uh, the score, and it was done by a uh, David Lynch's guy who ended up doing Twin Peaks and pretty much everything, David Lynch. So he's done really good work, but this just feels like a, a circus that's – it almost feels like circus synth, circus
1: music at times. I already know the answer to this, and like I can explain this for you. So David Lynch – Nobody knows what the fuck his movies mean. This movie very straightforward, has clear meaning. The music guy was thrown off. He's used to doing work for shit that he doesn't know what's going on. So yeah. you know, this abstract music or whatever would work in a David Lynch movie because who knows what's happening?
0: Yeah, and it's it is very um, and he does incorporate some of the old Bernstein stings in there just in general man Ooh.
1: so let me ask you a serious question have you ever ate coffee instant coffee
0: no i've accidentally drank it like you know i think a lot of people have done that
1: when she fucking puts the coffee in her mouth that just looks like that would be the worst thing ever i don't know that you could do that without throwing up all over yourself
0: well, look, she washed it down with Coke. Like, I all I could think about was brush your teeth, girl.
1: Well, and I, you know, I don't drink a lot of coffee. Obviously, you've made fun of me about this. But, like, I imagine if you put instant coffee in your mouth. Ma- like, you know, when you you put any kind of sh- shit in your mouth and you immediately follow it up with soda, how it foams up. Mm-hmm. That's what I imagine happening. Like, it just looked like she's got fucking rabies or something because foam just starts coming out of her mouth. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and then her mom walks in, and her mom—I mean, again, like these parents, man—they're—they're—they're they're, they're so wealthy, they're so wealthy. She went to a ball, she went to a gala. A single She's got a, at that. yeah.
1: So, like, what is she doing? Like, it's apparently and, I'm in the wrong business.
0: I just think in the '80s under Reagan, man, you just. You just had it like that.
1: Well, that's not accurate because I grew up in the 80s and we were poor.
0: I don't think we yeah, are, but <laughs> and, you just and, needed... it
1: there wasn't any cocaine for us to be doing.
0: Yeah. Well, your parents should have just worked a little bit harder.
1: I guess so. <laughs> Aside from sucking down fucking coffee and Diet Coke. And, and I don't know, if he was wanting to stay awake, would Diet Coke be the thing to drink? Would you want to go like classic
0: was it diet?
1: I think it was. I'm pretty thought sure it was that. so the the house is He's, fantastic. I think you
0: Yeah, you see it later when Nancy goes to get her stuff, like just this big staircase.
1: Well, I wasn't talking about the size of the house, I was talking about the fact that once again the houses look lived in. <laughs> you know, they they look like people's houses so to speak as, as opposed to just set pieces like even when you go into the uh, dilapidated house yeah there's a lot of junk in the house like if you've ever been in an abandoned house they have a lot of junk right mm. and this house has a lot of junk so i thought i thought it did really good there uh, like i said the imagery through the first three movies and i know and there's some imagery in the, in the later movies that's still really good but in the first three movies, I thought it was fantastic.
0: Yeah, I... Right, go ahead. Well, I was going to say the scene where, you know, she wakes up. And it's, again, like, it replays the Tina thing. You're, you're a dream within a dream. And she cuts her wrists. Like, I, I have this thing about... I get my asshole clenched up when it's, like... I <laughs> would when when it's wrist cutting or or cuts on the hand so her mom walking in and 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 Kristen is hurt she's bleeding out of her wrist that that always gets me always
1: really, that was a really good effect like the way she just the blood just started coming out
0: like mm-hmm. you remember
1: that? that was that was really good like you see other scenes like in some movies where they try to simulate a cut you know and it's, it doesn't look good that looked good Like that was like a fresh cut. It's like, one thing I want to point out, they had another scene though, where we're, and we didn't talk about it in the first one. Um, and I I guess I just didn't write it down because it was a horrible effect when Nancy's running up the stairs and her feet get caught in the stuff, you know, like it just looks bad. I
0: liked it. I liked it.
1: Blatantly holes cut out though with like gunk in them. But in this one, and all of a sudden um, I am the name of the characters escaping me what's her name our cat's Kristen character. Kristen that's right when Kristen's running away and she's got she gets caught what looks like chocolate pudding
0: yeah, it looked pretty good didn't it
1: I, I don't know I just I didn't even really care for those feet scenes I used to think about squishy shit getting between my toes
0: I was just thinking about chocolate pudding chocolate
1: pudding my grandmother used to make this chocolate pudding that looked horrible Um, granddad loved it but it just looked it didn't look I guess because the first thing I had as far as pudding was instant pudding so you're used to that look right and my grandmother made this pudding that was almost like solid you know and clumpy and like it was chocolate pudding but like it's hard to describe but it didn't look like pudding it almost looked like like moist brownies or something that yeah. got really wet or some shit like and i would never eat it. like i told you texture man i'd see that and be like yeah i'm good i'll take this instant putting out of a cup
0: yeah they, they they both sound pretty good to me right now
1: yeah so i'll put this out here because it changes throughout the movie but you get the two doctors right you get the uh elizabeth and then you get Neil. And Elizabeth is telling... They're talking about Nancy coming in. You know, the hot shot grad student. And Elizabeth, in his first scene, is very supportive of Nancy. And Neil is kind of put off by Nancy coming in.
0: Dismissive. Like
1: that dynamic quickly changes. To where Neil's on her side and Elizabeth <coughs> is against her. And it's like there's no... There's no gradual... Transition. It's just immediate. Like, as soon as the shit hits the fan, it's like, what are you letting her talk you into? Like, whoa, wait a minute. I thought you were on her side. You were just hyping her up like 10 minutes ago.
0: Yeah, until she wanted to give them experimental drugs.
1: So, and then you got Amanda Kruger showing up, right? Here's my question How is Neil seeing Amanda Kruger?
0: It's just a plot point you just have to go with to mm-hmm. learn backstory about Freddie. And this movie really delves into like this movie's very Catholic. Very Catholic.
1: And I thought Amanda Kruger was really creepy.
0: Oh god, yeah. And this and the way this movie's shot, like I said, like it's it's very m- muted. I don't I don't know how to put it, like the colors don't pop. It looks very—I um, don't know—dry. I want to say like
1: it was definitely not as sweaty last movie.
0: No, and it's all right.
1: I'm gonna put this out here right off the bat. Favorite character in the movie: Kincaid.
0: Oh yeah. I also like—I um, like all the kids. Um,
1: yeah, but Kincaid is, he's, he's great.
0: He is. He is. And they fucking wasted him in the next one. We'll yeah, get yeah. to that. but
1: um, and, and then you got Joey with his fucking tear under his eye when you first see him. Oh, God. And, and, are you a gang member? Are you a sad clown? You know, what is it?
0: And, and it's funny, though, that, that during their first uh, group meeting, well, the first one that we're introduced to uh the girl who wants to be a uh, tv actress uh, she introduces joey to nancy she's like yeah in high school he was a great he was a master he was a master debater and i'm like yeah we know what the screen were thinking like joey just sees titties and he's, he's his room probably looks like a pollock painting just i
1: don't think she said master.
0: Actually, no, in my mind, it was. He's mind. a master debater because Joey's just a walking hard on.
1: Well, I think they were just trying to say that Joey was really talkative. And he became no, crazy.
0: I know what they were saying, but he also loves titties oh, no, he and does. he's a debater. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The, Joey's downfall, the female body. Yeah. In this movie. Get some killed in the next movie. Like, you think you'd learn after the first time, but no. Sorry. No, he loved... Uh, I'm sorry, go ahead.
0: No, I was just going to say Joe loved titties.
1: So we already talked about it, the, uh, the abandoned house. Um, if that was a constructed set, whoever constructed it did really good. It looks to the point where it's almost like they just went, it's like, oh man, let's film inside this abandoned house. It's really, really good. Um, special effects in the movie I thought were really good for the most part. There's this one scene where I thought it'd get kind of wonky. But for the most part, it's good, right? Um, And I'm going to go ahead and say this. Never, ever, until it's pointed out in the documentary, never, ever, when I saw the scene where, you know, Snake Freddy's in there, did I think of a penis?
0: No, no. So it it leads you to believe that they, last minute, they really did, because everybody said it looked very phallic in the making of.
1: To me, it feels like one of these things, like, it's like, you can see dicks where you want to see dicks. Like, oh, look at that cloud! It looks like a dick. Like, I don't know. I never got that impression. I never got that's what they were shooting for. I don't know. You yeah, know, maybe that was Joey telling them all that.
0: Oh, I'm sure. Just walking on set, being like, "There's a breast. There's a dick."
1: All right? Can we make Freddie have bigger tits? Sure, Joey. Whatever you want. Philip. I know you said you liked all the kids. Put this out there too, though, Philip. Corey Feldman knockoff.
0: Oh, it's funny that you say that. He was in Stand By Me. He was one of Kiefer uh members of his gang. I guess Corey He was Feldman. like.
1: Well, Corey Feldman was, was like, younger at this point, but he's still a Corey Feldman knockoff.
0: Yeah, especially the way he talks and, and his look. Yeah, he does look Corey Feldman-esque. But speaking of him, uh, what was his name? Philip. Philip. Best death. Best death in the entire series.
1: That I had the same thing wrote down here too. Philip is my favorite death in this one. Now this is um you're kind of borderlining on God Freddy at this point, but at least he has to come in close contact with Philip and he does do the slicing motion. But it was a great death. Like when you see him walking and he's got the, the veins. Yeah,
0: right, the so bars. gross. So yeah, gross. It was. And you know, this is This is, you know, there's a turning point in this movie to where the next movie, people consider it to be the MTV Freddy, and it is. But this one, you start start veering in that lane, and this is the first time Freddy's killed somebody based on their personality.
1: Yeah. And he does it at least twice.
0: No, three times.
1: Well, yeah, because, yeah, he kills a...
0: Yeah. He kills the rocker chick with syringes.
1: He does. And we'll get to her death, too, because I did like that one. Well, actually, he does. Um, he tries to kill a boy with a wheelchair. But, yeah. Um, the the puppet scene was great. Um, I thought the, uh, the the puppet Freddy, although you only see him for, like, a couple seconds. I mean, I thought that was. Like, it, it
0: worked. It was a it really worked. good
1: special effect. It was really creepy. Like, mm-hmm. that puppet was fantastic.
0: And. You know, again, like, you know, the highs of this franchise is when you make Freddy scary, and he's scary in this movie. Yeah. And there's,
1: I think, I, mean, I think right after Philip's death, you have the doctors flip their opinions. Yeah, and we talked about this earlier too. And, and as it happens, like, people are just ignoring death. Like, they don't ignore Philip's death. They talk about it, right? <laughs> And they, they talk about it in group and are like, oh, Philip killed himself. You know, he took the coward's way out, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, um, Kincaid loses his shit.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Ain't nobody gonna put me to sleep. Ah!
0: I love Kincaid.
1: Yeah, no, great character. But yeah, he loses his shit. And, you know, it's like you, you're going into the quiet room or whatever. And we come up to. um God, what's her name all of a sudden? The girl that's going to Hollywood.
0: I don't know, I don't, I... I,
1: Jennifer, yeah, Jennifer. Yeah, oh, no, even before we get to that, I'm sorry. So Kincaid's put in the quiet room, um, Taryn, which is the the rocker chick, she comes out of the bathroom with a creepy ass orderly, just hanging out. Holy
0: shit. Waiting
1: for her to come out of the shower. And he talks about a good, clean pharmaceutical high and then immediately says Club Meth. What about meth is clean? I've had the uh, misfortune, not myself personally using it, but close family members obviously using it. And I've seen what it does to people. There's nothing fucking clean about meth.
0: Well, I think he was mainly I I guess he was talking about like, he's got some drugs in the drug closet that are as close to amphetamines as you can get i guess but yeah it's it's dicey at best but god what a fucking creep though man okay. jesus so like
1: you're hanging out waiting for underage children
0: i would i would rather have freddie i'd rather have to deal with freddie than this fucking
1: <laughs> right so you, predator yeah you had that and then you go to Jennifer in the TV room, right? Watching TV, and Larry Fishburne, who's, you yeah, underused in the movie, I think, comes in, you yeah, know, like, ah, oh, hey, you gotta do this, blah, blah, blah. She's like, no, just let me, let me stay up. And like any good employee, like, yeah, okay, screw what the doctor said. In this moment,
0: he gives her five minutes.
1: In this moment, he's willing to bend the rules. Yeah, so he lets her stay there. And she does what to me has always been, not a smoker, but just from an outside perspective, is the worst fucking smell there is, is when somebody puts out a cigarette to save later. And then they pull that motherfucker out later on and light it up. That's a horrible smell.
0: As someone who's done that, it, 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 it does stink.
1: It is terrible. And that's all I can, like when I see that scene, that's all I can think about. It's like, I'm imagining the horrible smell. So <laughs> fucking sitting there, <laughs> and I guess this is where we uh, start uh, getting into a little more comedy, Freddy, 82 with the Jean Jacques Bouvier scene,
0: uh, the one-liners, and
1: well the, well, the welcome to primetime bitch didn't bother me. I like that one-liner. You know, her putting her head through the window, or not the window, but through the TV, was cool. But here's the death itself is cool. Here's my problem, right? You're you're trying to say these kids committed suicide. How so the fuck did Jennifer throw her head? To yeah, the TV? I
0: know. yeah, that's that's been a question amongst. And,
1: and, and we're not talking about a TV like we have nowadays. We're talking about a 1980s TV. Oh, yeah, it that, with a sledgehammer.
0: You know, it's this was the first time uh, that I'd ever been introduced to Dick Cavett, and every time I see Dick Cavett now, I think Afraid of Kruger. Like every time, he's still kicking it too. Dick Cavett, God bless him.
1: So you get, you get Jennifer's death. And like I said, they acknowledge Philip's death. But then with Jennifer, all you get is a, like a passing funeral scene, mainly so Neil can talk to Amanda. And we can also get hints that she's not really there because Nancy's like, who are you talking to? And he's like, I was just talking to you. Oh, where'd she go? But we're back at the same old Springwood where we're ignoring children dying. We just yeah. quickly gloss over Jennifer's death. And it's like people are dying in their sleep. Let's put you back to sleep.
0: Yeah, this is another one of those, you know, parents not listening to kids, but it's but it's set behind a backdrop of uh uh Weston Hills and you have this dichotomy of the good and the bad doctor and which I guess is sort of a take on "One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest," but it just works so well, though. And you know, um, Craig Wasson's character, Neil, is that his name? The Doctor, yeah. Yeah, I, I like him. You know, and, and you know, I don't know if you had ever seen this actor before. You know, uh, he was in a Brian De a movie called Body Double, which is a fin- fantastic. Brian DePaul, the movie a little take on Hitchcock. And in that movie, he's, he's claustrophobic and he's scared. He's a struggling TV actor. Who's afraid to get buried in one scene. And in this movie he gets buried and I'm like, huh, that's interesting.
1: So we, we talked about Amanda Kruger's creepy, right? Um, when he goes into, when, like, he goes into the... Uh, bell tower. The bell tower. And this is, uh, I think this is after they get kicked out, right? Because Joey, you know, sees a hot woman.
0: Yeah, they do the hyp- hypnosis.
1: Yeah, the hypnosis. The test, they all go to sleep yeah. So they can, they find out they got superpowers. Yeah, we're getting too far ahead. I'm sorry. So we they do the the hypnosis and they find out they got superpowers but not before they think that it didn't work and joey walks away because why fucking stay in group i know he's told to take five but still joey walks away sees the nurse goes and gets tongue tied to the bed literally you know captured and they unveil their superpowers you know everybody's got something cool right like except kristen yeah except kristen that's where i'm going with this Kincaid, has got super strength. Will's a fucking wizard. Terran's, you know, you know uh,
0: beautiful and bad.
1: Yeah, there you go. Um, and then Kristen can do fucking flips. And it's not even like there's some karate with them. There's just flips. Like, Kristen, <laughs> what can you do in your dreams? Oh, something that people can do in real life. Will, what can you do in your dream? I'm the wizard master. I can shoot lightning out of my fingers.
0: Well, no, no, no. His was he could walk, which makes but sense. then he did the wizard master. Plays. Then he did the...
1: Yeah. Like, in my dreams, I can walk, and I'm the wizard master. Kristen.
0: Kristen's like, I can do a cartwheel.
1: Yeah. And his name a flip, because it's just one. It's one rotation that looks like she barely lands. It's like, oh, you can no. do flips? Hey, Will, show me that wizard shit again. Or Kincaid, can you fucking, like... Picked his dump truck up or something.
0: Our Kincaid destroys all the chairs, so nobody can sit down.
1: Nobody can sit down. But yeah, so they all have cool superpowers except for Kristen, who does fucking flips.
0: I love Kincaid's one-liners because when he wakes up and sees Philip sleepwalking, he's like, "Philip, wake your ass up!" And then Philip's still sleepwalking, and Kincaid's like, "Have a nice stroll, asshole." Yeah, right. <laughs>
1: So the the, uh, Elizabeth, uh, the nurse or doctor or whatever, I guess she's a doctor. She comes in, sees them all passed out. Joey's in coma.
0: Oh, the come get him, bitch. I like that scene.
1: Yeah, that was, uh, did that happen before they got kicked out? Although you would think, like, if he's right, if she's not asleep and she's looking at Joey's body and then Freddie carves on him, wouldn't that be a permanent scar? And wouldn't he be I mean, more?
0: Yeah, and again, like, they, they're playing fast and loose with the rules. But I'm okay with that.
1: And you would think, like, Head Dr. Elizabeth would see this carving on Joey and be like, hmm, something's amiss. But no, it's, it's still sleep. We need sleep. So... <laughs> We go to the bell tower, and like I said, creepy-ass, you know, he sees creepy-ass Amanda Krueger or Sister Mary Helen or whatever the fuck her she said her name was. So he decides to go into the the tower, right? And he's got a lock on it. And this is my favorite thing about fucking movies.
0: Not before, conveniently, he's packing up his trunk, and a picture falls out of him, Jennifer, and Philip. (laughs)
1: That's right. Conveniently. Yeah, that's right. Fucking leaned up against
0: a tree and he's got a juice yeah. box.
1: Yeah, he's got a juice box. But he, he sees her, so he's like, I need to go in here and see what's up. So he goes to the fucking door, has a lock on it. Oh, here's a here's a rock. Let me hit this lock and the lock of course shatters. What kind of cheap ass fucking lock is that?
0: Well, I like I was willing to destroy state property to <clears throat> talk to a nun.
1: Who's hanging out in a dilapidated-ass, like, bell tower or whatever it is. Well, we to the hospital it is? And you know, Obviously, she gives the backstory on Freddy Krueger, which I thought was really good. You know, and she's super creepy in this scene. You know, it's, a, Ooh. it's great.
0: I mean, she's almost as scary as Freddy.
1: Oh, yeah. She is. So, you know... <laughs> Elizabeth becomes highly unlikable. Uh, she you know, becomes a typical adult in this movie. At least in this movie, you get Neil, who's on the side of the kids and actually believes them. You know, gets to witness it, but it's on their side. It you know, Doesn't leave them out to dry, so to speak. But you know, Elizabeth is that typical adult from the first two movies. And, you know, super unlikable. Doesn't want to listen. Yeah. And so,
0: th- yeah, and this time she has authority. You know, yeah. which is even. Worse, worse.
1: So, but you know, Neil finally gets the uh, he gets the the secret to killing Freddy. You know, we gotta we gotta bury his remains on hallowed ground.
0: Very Catholic man.
1: Yeah. So here's my question. You know, they he he goes to get a crucifix and holy water. If you're still in holy items, do they stay holy? I think so. Okay, so we can just steal And I like how he gives the uh, the guy his his ID. He's like, "I'll compensate you for it. Here's my ID. I'll come back with it."
0: Yeah, I like that though. I like that because he's because he's you? a good guy.
1: But he makes it like he's gonna pay it first. And he's like, "Oh shit, I don't have any cash." Here you go. I'd it on this shovel. Take my ID. Then they go and they meet Nancy's dad.
0: Oh, John Saxon. And look, it, again, like this script is, is so good. Like they, they're, they're bringing back characters. They're introducing new characters. New characters are going to lead into the fourth one. And I love that that John Saxon has fallen so far from grace that he was uh, the sheriff you know, in the first one. And now you come back to him, he's a fucking security guard.
1: Mm-hmm. Like and he's going to town, man. So he's got cigarettes,
0: mm-hmm. shooters,
1: beer. You'll see him later when he's driving. He's got a fucking bottle of whiskey or something, <laughs> a, a or something. A
0: flask? That's what Neil uses to...
1: It wasn't a flask, it was a bottle.
0: Yeah. It yeah. wasn't a... Okay, a bottle, yeah. Yeah, yeah you're, right. you're right, you're right.
1: It might have been some Mad Dog 2020.
0: Oh, it's whatever. It's whatever he can get his hands on.
1: Yeah, so he's just fucking going to town getting drunk. Then, uh, excuse me. So the kids are separated from the adults. You know, they're they're trying to reason with Nancy's dad, which isn't working. But Kristen gets sent to the choir instead of Kincaid for a change. So Kristen goes in there. They and
0: they them. sedate her. They sedate yeah. her.
1: And she has that dream. Well, no, she doesn't have a dream right away. I'm sorry. They, she gets sedated. Nancy goes back. Uh, they have their final session. You know, Larry Fishburne is trying to be a stickler about the rules. You know, for a change, when you know he was just letting people run roughshod earlier. But I they, love Max. Yeah. They have their last session. They all fall asleep. They're together. You know, Kristen's like, "Oh, Nancy, you're here, Nancy, Nancy," and then he starts slicing up the room. And they're like, stay together, so we can stay together. Shouldn't they have held hands or something?
0: Yeah, but then they do this transition of the falling feathers, because like when when he slices up the uh, the quiet room, it looks like um, you know, like a feather pillow, you know. And then this this cheap cheap special effect of the feathers falling, and then she replays her scene with her mom.
1: Yep. And this is where I have a question.
0: Why is Freddie in a tux? tux?
1: No, not it. He just wants to look debonair.
0: Man, he does. He's looking fucking fresh.
1: No, my question is because she's shown herself to have to put people into her dreams. Does that mean her mom's dead?
0: No, I wouldn't. I think, I don't think her mom got pulled into this. No, I, I took it as just. Replaying
1: that night. Okay, and and I'm sure it's probably answered in the next one, but it's been so long since Part Four.
0: Yeah, her mom's alive in Part I thought, Four.
1: I thought about that just because she could pull people in. So then, you know, I thought Part Two and Three, you know, two more so than three. I thought they did a good job of like kind of spacing out deaths, you know, before they started rapid fire killing people. Because now we're at a point where people are about to rapid firely really die. Right. Mm-hmm. You get three people that die back to back to back in traditional horror movie fashion. I think their deaths are fine, but and one of them in particular I really like, but I think this is like the first time we fall into a horror movie trope. So you we see the scene with Kristen, you know, and her mom, she gets away, and then we uh we cut
0: she backflips her yeah, way. Yeah, out of that.
1: Yeah, she does a fucking flip. Ooh. I think it's uh we go to Taryn first right
2: Mm -hmm.
1: so we go to Taryn, and then brady pulls out the the needles on his fingers which i thought was a good effect but and i really liked this death because it played on a weakness like Mm -hmm. you know dude making puppets isn't a weakness that's a hobby right Taryn being a drug addict and like becoming paralyzed because Freddy fucking shows up with needles full of drugs, like and you're you're like given into like an addiction or being so paralyzed by it to where you can't do nothing, and he just fucking kills you without you resisting. I thought it was a really good death.
0: Yeah, and like I said, I like Taryn, you know, and you and you feel for Taryn because she is trying to do right. Mm-hmm. She could have easily gone with fucking Harvey Weinstein to the yeah. fucking you know, pill room and gotten her rocks off and, you know, to go back to part 2 um, speaking of like his hypodermic needles for hands. I loved about part two is how in a lot of scenes with Kruger, not a lot, but a couple, he didn't have the glove. The knives were coming out of his hands. Yeah. And I really liked that. I like that a lot, actually. I think I, I might like it more than the glove, if I'm gonna be honest. But
1: I think it worked for that movie, you know, Yeah, I, yeah. I still like the glove because I think it's a, it's a symbol of, you know, Freddy before he became Freddy, like hey, yeah. I'm a child murderer, and I built this tool to specifically kill children. With yeah, it. yeah. Like that's how committed I am to killing these twenty kids.
0: Mm-hmm. And I'm going to stop at 20.
1: Yeah. Until I'm dead. Then I'm going to start up again.
0: Yeah. Uh, but.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: No, 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 no. no. You first.
1: Well, I was going to move to Will's death. Like I, As much as I liked Taryn's death and I thought it played on a personality trait and a weakness that you would struggle against all the time, Will's death was, it's my least favorite death in the movie.
0: No. The, the death isn't good, but did you hear Freddy's voice?
1: It's where it's high pitched.
0: No, no, no. He goes low in this one as well. Oh, and it's mode? scary.
1: He was high pitched with somebody. Maybe it wasn't uh, him then. There was one death in this movie where he's high pitched.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple that's.
1: But so, yeah, you're right. He was low pitched. The voice is fine. The chair, you know, is a good effect. That's fine. My problem with the kill is as will has established these powers for himself right and freddy just shrugs it off and it's like it has no effect so why is will's power so much weaker than say joey's power where he screams or weaker than anything in part four or five when you know Lisa Wilcox's character starts getting the powers of other people. You know, she's doing karate and shit. Like he just shrugs off Will stuff and he's kind of in that God Freddy mode. You know, he's acting like he's hurt, but then he's like, ah, and then he's, at least he stabs him. But what chance did the rest of us have if like, Oh, we're the dream warriors. And I used my dream warrior power and he just fucking saving throw that shit.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we can walk. <laughs> Maybe
1: <laughs>
0: Maybe he was crippled in more ways than one.
1: <laughs> didn't care for that death didn't care for his costume. It's like
0: Oh my god, like bruh, you don't look like a wizard, you look like a vampire.
1: I know, it's like, hey, get him that fucking Dracula cape from the uh the Halloween store. <laughs> we need something quick.
0: Uh we're sharing a sit with Fuck, I don't even know. Fright night.
1: Way to, way to nail that one. You really landed there. So, I'm, I'm going to assume, too, that Neil and Nancy have a romantic relationship, even though they, they never show like any kind of physical contact between the two of them.
0: Because you wouldn't know it by their chemistry.
1: Neil becomes really invested in Nancy to the point where he goes back in there and flips that fucking table over, and he's like, Look, you son of a bitch. You may not care if she dies, but I do. And we're about to go dig up this motherfucker's bones. And they do? Well they do. So yeah, he he fucking talks me into it. They go into the, the the junkyard. They get there. You know, and I thought the junkyard was a really good uh I'm assuming it's gotta be a real junkyard, right? I mean you can't just have them be fucking cars laying around. I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. But really good set. They get to the junkyard, they they fucking of course Freddy's Remains are in a, an old Cadillac because nobody would ever want to get parts out of that. They pull them out, they get ready, you know. And at the same time, we got Freddy dealing with the kids, you know, and he realizes something's going down and he steps away. And I think this is after Kincaid come through and started smashing walls with his more relevant superpower, which to me is better than flipping. It's like, oh man, let's smash some shit and get out of here which fit his character, but they get to the junkyard. Freddie realizes he's there. How does Freddie operate in the real world? There, like, Neil and, and Nancy's father are not asleep. Yeah. He takes possessions of these bones.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, you know, certain movies, I, I say, look for logic, you know, um, you're not going to find a lot of logic with the drain demon in general. Um, so I just go with it, even though the, the special effects here, obviously, it's Clash of the Titans-esque. So, in 1987, you're in between, like, stop motion and what would eventually become, like, low-grade CGI, you know?
1: Well, the effect itself was fine, I thought. But Freddy taking over the skeleton is overpowered right out the gate. He's just kicking the shit out of him
0: man he he beats the fuck out of him yeah
1: john saxon lasts like two seconds and that's what i'm saying yeah. he should have brought out some of his enter the dragon skills he should have front kicked that motherfucker into that grave but he doesn't he gets impelled he dies
0: and i i love freddy coming back as him yeah that well, was
1: before we get to that part Freddie fucking hits old dude what, in the stomach with a shovel and then upside the head. It's almost like a cartoon. <laughs> and then throws him into the grave and shovels one scoop of dirt on him and leaves.
0: Yeah, it was almost just like an, like an insult. Like, I could bury you, but you're not even worth my time.
1: Yeah. So yeah, then he goes back and, you know... Joey's uh, he done his scream and everybody's like oh wow Joey you can talk it's the greatest power ever it killed Freddy and John Saxon shows up talking about I've crossed over and then proceeds to kill Nancy
0: Nancy's so great
1: as a younger person when I saw this movie I saw this as a child that was an impactful death it was sad
0: like like Optimus Prom
1: yes yeah, pretty much. Because here you have the hero of the first movie. Looks like she's going to, you know, she's a major part of the third movie. And at least she does more than Luke Skywalker and Last Jedi. But, yeah, gets fucking killed. And then I told you I'm not a fan of Arquette. But when she, you know, I guess this is after uh, we kill Freddy. So, Freddy kills Nancy. An old boy wakes up and climbs out of the grave and starts throwing the holy water on him.
0: And uh, yeah,
1: which I thought, you know, out of the first three movies, the best Freddy kill. It is because we're finally doing something that makes sense, and then you throw the fucking cross on him.
0: The best of all the franchise, I yeah. think, because I like I like how he goes off in a ball of light.
1: Yeah, and we forgot the part where, you know, uh, Nancy's talking about he's stronger now, and he pulls open his shirt, and he's like, the souls of the children give me power. Yeah. So, you know, it's cool. You see the children, like, in his chest and stuff. But, yeah, kills him with the holy water and the crucifix, you know, doing what Manda Kruger told him to do. Like, a good death for Freddy. and then Patricia Arquette immediately is cradling Nancy, you know, I talk about, I'm going to dream you back to life and I dream you a beautiful dream and stuff like that and cry. Really good.
0: Yeah. Down. Yeah.
1: Like, and it's like, you know, all of these other deaths have meant nothing. You know, Jesse killed his best friend in part two and shrugged it off like it was nothing. But like Trish Arquette and um, her character is really shaking by yeah. Nancy dying. You feel it. Yeah.
0: And then we go to the funeral and. You know, that's when he learns that, surprise, surprise, the ghost nun was Amanda Krueger. Who would have thunk?
1: Yeah. And then we hit the credits with the best song in a movie ever. And I don't know if it's the best song ever, but it's probably the best song in a horror movie. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's really good. And the, and the movie opens, you know, the movie opens strong, closes strong. It opens with a Edgar Allan Poe quote. Yeah. Which, you know, I think the other subsequent sequels try to sort of follow that and just, you're not going to top that quote by Poe. Oh, the sleep is the little slices of death, how I loathe them. It's, it's, it's perfect. It's perfect. And before we start giving our final thoughts, I I do want to say that they did bring Craven back for this, and he worked with a a screenwriter named uh, Bruce Wagner, I want to say, and you could and and they wrote uh, they wrote a draft. You can find the script online, and I read it, or the script, like a, a couple of months ago, and they take a lot of the aspects Frank Darabont and Chuck Russell who. You know, this is like Derivant's first script. You know, he would later become the guy who did Shawshank and uh, The Majestic. Shawshank
1: is what IMDb's favorite movie ever.
0: Yeah, which we'll get into that in a later podcast. IMDb, you are you are goddamn (laughs) wrong on that. But and but a, a lot of this, the original script that Craven had, took place at Freddy's house. And and Kruger was, a, they, they had a lot more shape-shifting aspects to where Kruger, you know, the snake,
2: mm-hmm.
0: they had a lot more of that. And there was Weston Hills, and there was a Dr. Neal.
1: So I had heard only, obviously, through the Never Since Again documentary that it was a darker script. Um I haven't read it, so I couldn't say whether it'd be better or not or anything like that. I love Dream Warriors and, you know, we'll get into our final thoughts and our final rankings. But here's my problem with Dream Warriors. It's not the movie, but it's what happened during the movie. Rachel Talalay started to get more control in this series. And, and you know, you and I have talked about this and I'll go I'll on here and I'll say it. Once Rachel Talalay started getting power, the movie went in a direction I didn't care. The movies started going in a direction I didn't care for. They started becoming more comical. Like you said, more MTV. You know, they moved mm. away from horror and, you know, we we started getting Freddy dolls and shit like that and they started playing to that crowd and, and I'm not knocking Rachel Talalay as a, a filmmaker or anything like that. but I think the decisions she made with Friday, or not Friday, but Nightmare on Elm Street were horrible. I hate the direction that it went in and, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about him at a later date. But just a spoiler. Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, outside of the remake, which I don't consider part of the original continuity, obviously. Hate it. Like, it and uh, Jason Goes to Hell are the two worst movies possible. They're abominations. And Freddy's Dead was Rachel Talley. They threw out that Peter Jackson peter jackson's script for that right so they could do freddy's dead
0: oh there was a lot i think there was a few scripts but peter jackson's was the most famous in hindsight because he's peter jackson yeah, yeah
1: and they've talked about it and you hear about what it entailed but yeah like when rachel Towley started getting to make decisions and it wasn't just her because when you watch the documentary and you see where like one of the and not talking about bob shay but you're talking about one of the other like producers started putting their input people started putting their input in and instead of making movies people wanted to see they made movies that they wanted you know um kind of like and i know we're not talking about about usually kind of like with wrestling when they say they listen to the crowd but it's very obvious that vince McMahon's pushing the person he wants to push not who the crowd wants he's telling you the narrative he wants to tell and then they try to control like crowd responses and here you had the same thing i think you had people trying to instead of doing what we we think people would like we started doing things that we wanted to do
0: like you said we're, we'll eventually get to him but where this series goes after dream warriors and look you know When we get to Dream Master, I think there's a lot to take from Dream Master. There's a lot to... I mean, when your main villain, your main antagonist is putting on shades on the beach, you've gone somewhere that I I don't want to follow. Yeah. And it, it only gets steadily worse from there. and But look, you know... Look, Rachel Talley is to blame. Bob Shea is to blame. Robert English is to blame, in my opinion. You're telling me this guy, you know, they're not going to replace him. He could have fucking put his foot down, be like, "No, this is." But I get it. Money's on the line, you know. But let's go back to Dream Warriors to something good, as opposed to something. Let's don't end on this shit note. What do you say?
1: Well. So I guess final thoughts on it. Love the movie. Love the imagery. uh, Love the characters. The acting was, you know, better than the first movie. Um, I think Arquette's acting in the final scene was really strong. I don't know if, you know, overall it was as strong as, you know, Mark Patton in part two. Um, The iteration of Freddy we got here was still scary um, but had started to show a little more personality and if it had stayed in this range you'd have probably been okay but this is where we start trending towards Jokester Um, and then also God Freddy where you know he's able just to do whatever he wants at a whim and then somehow somebody else magically is able to defeat him I have a problem with that Um, but overall the movie itself is fantastic Um, I think it's the best background on the street So out of the first three movies, if I'm giving you my rankings, I'm going dream warriors, and then I debated on this a lot, but I'm still going to go part one and then I'm going to go part two. And and even as a whole in the series, if we were to go one through nine, this would be one, two, three, like these are still going to be tops above any other movie that's in this series. So it's not like part four is going to creep in here. Part five.
0: No. No, nineteen eighty seven was where think, this franchise peaked.
1: I think this is where the uh, series should have ended. There's nothing that you get from Dream Master, Dream Child, or Freddy's Dead that's worth having. On oh, no, the or it's it's not, or at least it's not worth what you got in return to get that. Yeah, because mm-hmm. there's going to be some moments in there where you're gonna be like, "Wow, that's some really cool scenery and shit like that," but it's not worth all the shit that you took with it to get that one thing.
0: Yeah.
1: So, what's your uh, numerical rating? What's here? Your...
0: Well, obviously, it's 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 an eight point five. I love this movie. Um, this movie built what the foundation that Part One laid out, and it and it did it so so successfully, and and you can tell like. Bob Shay, even though he made money from part two, and me and you like part two, you could feel this one had to course correct.
1: Yeah, well, part two didn't fit so much into the continuity, like other than like they were in Nancy's house and Nancy watched her boyfriend die, right? Like part three carries on that narrative from part one. Well, and, so. but you go back to being a, a movie about dreams, also.
0: Well, part two is an anomaly because even part one, three, four, five, they have recurring characters that you can trace back to part one. And even Freddy's dad, they bring in it's his goddamn daughter. Oh, holy shit, how fucking stupid. Just mind-blowing stupid. But And you could tell they had to course correct. And they brought Craven back because the... I think Bob Shea and good faith wanted to see what he could do. They saw the script and then they bring in like these, you know, this series more than Friday, more than Halloween. They do bring in these young hungry directors with a vision. Now, if that vision sucks, at least these are young and hungry and they bring in, they brought in a young Darabont. They brought in a young Chuck Russell who would later direct eraser and the mask. So these these people have talent and what they came up with. It works. It works on multiple levels. Um, You know, and not only that, it's, it's, it's a movie with goddamn Larry Fishburne, which for me, it gets an obligatory, like bump up. I I love, I love Lawrence Fishburne and, you know, they have likable, relatable teens and you know, you care about what happens to him. And, you know, the weak points of the movie is the score. It it, it it it's comical in certain points. But yeah, this movie it fucking sings, man. And it's a shame that it's a shame that they peaked here because with this character you could like I've said before, you can make a bona fide scary movie. You keep him in the shadows. Um, you make him the boogeyman. And another thing about part two that I loved that I think you can incorporate in these movies is part two felt like a haunted house kind of. You know? Yeah. And it's in a lot of ways. And I think like you can do that in the dream world to where you could just hear Freddy's laughter and have like shit move. And that's creepy.
1: I think where they, uh, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I think what we got instead was people that are like, oh, we're in dreams. We can do all this fantastical stuff. We can be in comic books. We can have a power glove. Mm -hmm. We can do all this shit. And it just, it got to where it was corny. Like, yeah, you're in dreams, but it doesn't, we don't have to go that realm. Right. You know, like these aren't really like, nightmares people are having like if somebody imagines they're a superhero it's not a nightmare somebody's at the beach it's not really a nightmare you know shit like that right so you're not playing on people's fears at that point other than like maybe that roach uh, motel scene Mm. like that played on that person's fears but like when you got an old boy that's you know likes comic books and drawing comic books and then Freddy becomes a superhero that's not playing on a fear that's just you trying to create something fantastical and it's it wasn't good it's not good it's never gonna be good you know I I think they focused on the wrong parts of the movie or the first three movies when they went forward and they took the instead of focusing on the like you said the scary parts of it you know like using the dreams to be scary -hmm. You use the dreams to make set pieces after this, yeah, and to be like pop culture relevant. So, um, let's get your rankings as far as the uh, order for the first.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's the same as yours. Dream Warriors. Um, I thought I was gonna like Revenge more coming into it this time, and you just see some of the cracks and. The foundation's still good. It's just taps cracks. I'll oh, go Dream Warriors, the first one, and then Revenge. Um, but I think you can hold up the top three of Nightmare. Um, you could hold it up to any horror franchise, and it I mean, what Craven created is iconic, and it's memorable, and it's scary. And and they did this in a four-year run, you know, from '84 to '87, and just. Yep. Made something special.
1: I agree. If you're listening to this, we appreciate you listening to the very first episode of the Very Unreasonable Things podcast. You can check us out at veryunreasonablethings.com. So, anything you'd like to add, Josh?
0: No, just if you're listening to this, uh, I love you.
1: <laughs> and hopefully, we get better at this as we go on.
0: No promises
1: have low expectations. But other than that, we appreciate you uh, checking us out and thank you for listening.